This podcast is now a talking zone. Please leave your cell phones out to play the podcast. If you need a food, raise an order card and then get the food yourself. Now, problem with a loud (laughs) customer. (laughs) Turn up the volume on the podcast. Thank you and enjoy the show. That's that's more more Alamo opening credits that's, humor. That's the rest of the music. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're back. Welcome everyone to Movies for When You're Going to the Movies. Oh man, Movies for When You're Going to the Movies and in preparation for this episode, we uh went to the movies, Denny. This is the first episode where we have seen all three movies in theaters. That's pretty special. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a very nice one. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the the excuse to go to the theaters. I, I I bought the Alamo season pass, and it just cost me nothing to see a movie I liked a second time. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. They're like, "Aha, this is how we make money." And then Denny was like, "This is how I save money." Yep. Actually, <laughs> yep, yep. Well, for what like, it's worth, I actually every time I go, I make sure I buy food. I'm like, "No, no, no. I I understand the arrangement." Um, you'll you'll oh, yeah. eat the cost of admission because I'll spend money here, and I like spending money here, so I'll do it. No, most definitely. And yeah, if I had a Alamo a little bit closer, I would be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch one of these movies at an Alamo location that I hadn't been to yet. So which that was, one? That was that was fun. Uh, Las Colinas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to that one. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It's pretty interesting. Like you, you have to go up all these stairs, and then all. Yeah, it's it's more of a maze. <laughs> Normally in a theater, it's like here's a long hallway, and then maybe there's a second long hallway, and then this one's like go up the stairs, go up the other stairs, go around this corner, and then there's two zigzaggy hallways. Your theater's in one of those, or maybe yep. it's over here. Yep. Yeah, I remember I went there once, and uh, I was meeting with some friends in the bar before the movie, but it took us long enough to be like, oh. The bar's upstairs, but then our theater's actually back downstairs. Um, <laughs> like it was so it was it was a lot of a lot of extra effort. I, I will say. Ah, oh, that's right. All right, uh, this is movies for when you're going to the movies. That we as we've stated uh, this week, we went to the movies and we watched Sonic the Hedgehog two. We watched The Northman. Yeah, and we watched Everything Everywhere all at once. Yeah, we did. Uh, but before we saw those things, we watched some other stuff, Denny. What else have you been watching since our uh, last episode? Um, man, I let me. I, I watched uh, the only real interesting movie I've seen. Um, I've been going through a nature docs phase, and I started rewatching Our Flag Means Death. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanessa and I watched Fantastic Planet. Um, I believe it is a 1970s French art film, uh, animated. Uh, and it was it was really good, man. It was a uh, it was a hundred and ten minutes. I know you're a big fan of hashtag normalize the seventy minute movie. Um, and honestly, not when it comes to nature, I don't really care. <laughs> sure, um, I'll I'll watch Earth for as long as it takes. Yeah, um, but I uh, I was really surprised by Fantastic Planet because all of the art makes it look like or the art all the trailers make it look like it's going to be some like avant garde abstract completely inaccessible thing but has really cool drawings um and the story is actually very very linear it's not complex at all to understand it's uh 
an alien race is keeping humans as pets on their planet and the humans don't really remember earth um and there's you know uh, humans trying to escape uprisings things like that um the only negative i'd give it is uh i think it assumed that i would relate to the humans more and root for them <laughs> um and i was like no this alien race they're like more evolved than us like they're a society of like peace and meditation uh let them keep us as pets. I wanted the humans to lose. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, go, go back to the big blue aliens. Uh, they, I don't want to follow this fucking tribe. Tell me more of their like Star Trek ass cultural harmony society. Ah, yeah. Speaking of Star Trek, we just had May the 4th yesterday. <laughs> so the celebration continues. Is, is that the only thing you watched? Um, actually yes uh because okay <laughs> well because i i went i went and saw the northmen again um okay so that took up a lot of my tv time and i wanted to go see everything everywhere all at once again but i ran out of time i, I didn't get it done um i've been really busy and stressed and uh, i've still been playing a lot of earthbound um I'm, I'm like level 47 now uh so i got a lot of good things going on for me that's right <laughs> solid life you're living there yeah man. i know man uh, i also want to watch that movie again more on that later uh yeah the the only thing well i watched a few things in the meantime since we last talked yeah i was so moved by ariel's testimony and the themes <gasps> of the unbearable weight of massive talent that i watched paddington one oh it's on Netflix, and then Paddington 2 just got put on HBO Max. So I watched Paddington 1 because I hadn't seen that one. Does it's it, great, do, man. Does, it's, it's, it's good. Does he have confidence issues about being a good bear? Less so in this one. Okay. But, you know, he, he just wants a home. That's all he wants. He just wants a home. He's just trying to find a home. And he, he hears that the good people of England... Uh, will open their doors to a kind bear that just wants a home. Cool. But it's not the case. But he wins the hearts of many anyways. Whoa, spoilers! I thought it uh, might have ended in tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. no one liked him and he had to live on the streets. <laughs> That's why there's a sequel. Uh, Paddington Rises. Paddington <laughs> Oh, man. I would watch that. A Paddington horror film, yeah. I just want to be a good bear and consume your soul. Um, we also watched a uh, your parents' favorite movie, Death on the Nile. Oh, yeah. It is, It. oh, man. If your parents are really into, like, CBS cop dramas, they're going to love this one. This is like a, it's like a pilot for CSI Cairo. Ooh. It's fine. It's entertaining. I only saw the title and I thought it might be kind of like a, a throwback to like, you know, like 30s and 40s adventure films. A little bit of Cary Grant going on, you know, like. Uh, I think so. But then Gal Gadot is acting and who oh boy. Acting. <laughs> Enough champagne to fill the Nile. All right. Uh <laughs> I also watched Everything Must Go, starring Will Ferrell. I've always wanted too, to see that. Too Sad, Didn't Care. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You might like it. I watched uh, an HBO Max original from the director of the Ocean's 11 and 12 
uh, movies and a couple other movies I like. It's called No Sudden Move with Don Cheadle and uh, Benicio Del Toro. Cool. And an outstanding Brendan Fraser performance. Ooh. I thought he was excellent in that. It was great to see him again. I thought he was good. The The movie and the story are good, but it's like, it's almost the whole movie is shot on like almost a fisheye lens. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you feel like you're watching the movie through a peephole. I don't really like how it looks, but I like the movie. It was fine. Uh, Don Cheadle, solid. Brendan Fraser, excellent. That's all I'll say on that. Awesome. Because I kind of, I kind of want you to see it before I say anything else about it. I will totally watch it. Uh, just like I keep forgetting to watch the Tony Hawk doc you told me about. Um, I really want to see it, and then when I'm like sitting down to be like, "What's on?" I keep forgetting about it. Um, could Ex- exercise your HBO Max subscription or login? I don't know what you. Have. I do every day. Um, I actually, okay, yeah. I actually have both. <laughs> Two of my Roku's are my subscription, and one of them is. Megan Taylor's subscription. Thank you, Megan. Um, don't ask. Um, could I could I throw out a what I've been listening to? Because I'm pretty. I, I really enjoyed something. I think you would think it's cool. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone is a fan of Pete Holmes's podcast. Uh, you made it weird. Are you a Pete Holmes guy, Greg? I feel like we haven't ever really talked about him. Uh, is that the guy from Comedy Bang Bang, or is that someone else? That's Scott Ackerman. Okay, because I didn't like that show. Oh. So. <laughs> Um, Pete Holmes is the other late show guy. I, I know his face, though. He had the Pete Holmes show. Um, a lot of people don't know it was him, but in those college humors where Batman's trying to find his voice, that's Pete Holmes' Batman. Um, and he also made uh, <laughs> Crashing on, on HBO, which is one of my favorite shows ever. It's a it's semi-autobiographical of uh, Pete Holmes' uh, uh his wife cheats on him. He's a devout Christian and he wants to be a stand-up comic. And so he's like deconstructing his religion and grieving his divorce while crashing on comedians couches and trying to find his way in comedy, despite how fish out of water he feels neither here nor there. I'm a big Pete Holmes guy. I love his podcast. You made it weird. I always get something like existential out of it. Um, he has a really good episode up right now with Mitch Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development on it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I thought of you while I was listening to it. And it, it's kind of like our podcast where you have to listen to it all week. Um, it's like three hours long. And so I've been getting it like on like three days worth of commutes. And I, I don't know. It was just really cool to hear them chop it up about Arrested Development a little bit. Um, they always end up talking about like spirituality and the meaning of life and uh, you know, it, it was just awesome hearing two great comedic minds uh, chop it up about life in a TV show that Greg and I are both massive fans of. Well, we're not going to chop it up about the meaning of life anytime soon here. <laughs> this, Don't tempt me this, with a good time. You know I will. This is not a deep podcast. We discuss Mac and Me like true artists. I'll find my way there from Mac and Me. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> The somersaults at the fake McDonald's really made me think about it. <laughs> when Ronald McDonald was floating, <laughs> holding that balloon animal, it made me think about my own life. Uh, Talk to your therapist about Mac and me. Um, I'm, all right. I'm your therapist, Greg. I'm the, I'm the closest thing you've got to a therapist, damn it. That's pretty accurate. For what it's worth, you did talk to me about Mac and me, so good on you for following your own advice. 
well <laughs> way to go me yeah i would see, like this is what i would like to like. i would like to now talk to my you therapist you yes about sonic the hedgehog 2 oh my god i can't tell you how often this has been the source of uh clients coming to therapy um i want you to first know <laughs> you're you're not alone um they, this... they just come in with a bag of olive garden breadsticks <laughs> <laughs> there has just been an influx of sonic the hedgehog based uh cases on my caseload <laughs> for about two weeks now i don't know why <laughs> Sometimes those chili dogs just demand a conversation. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 it is a 2022 film that you can watch in theaters. Yep. That's where we saw that's... it. And that's, as of right now, that's the only place you can see it. I'm sure it will be on Paramount Plus in a few months' time. Yes. Uh, because, you know, that's the logo had the rings on it. I remember that. Yeah. Rings. <laughs> like the game uh greg what's your relationship with this movie i just saw it in theaters <laughs> that's it. how about you <laughs> well i i had a bit of a debate um because i i have not seen sonic the hedgehog one and oh it's it's because I wanted to watch that little blue bastard, that little blue abomination against God with human teeth, um, mm -hmm. that demon creature that our Lord did not create. I wanted to watch him run around the screen for 90 minutes and eat chili dogs. And I was pissed off as fuck that they updated the animation and changed it to be something more palatable. I was like, no, I wanted this. So I decided that now that I've seen Cats, I need a new movie that is blacklisted, and it's it's Sonic One. So um, I also broke oh, a cardinal man. rule of mine, which is I won't I won't see a sequel without seeing the entire franchise. I just I always go through the whole thing, and uh, I I feel the same way. I don't think I'm as strict on that, but I did watch Sonic One. So, yeah, yeah. I go ahead. I, I'm just saying rules are made to be broken. This movie pushed me uh, out of my rigidity uh because of my own rigidity about proving points to no one about movies i decided i will not see no matter what <laughs> it pushed me out of another rigidity <laughs> but also but also into one <laughs> i i feel like in this case you weren't missing entirely too much by not seeing the first one i never felt lost i'll tell you that much uh <laughs> This movie, it was very clear what was happening because it's made for five-year-olds to watch. <laughs> That's so. right. And I played the video game as a five-year-old, so there you go. Dude. Well, I don't know. if it Was was I five when that came out? Sonic 2? Seven or eight? Let's I look. Ironically, one of my bucket list items is to beat Sonic 2 on Sega Genesis, and that game is hard it's, as fuck. It's I've hard. never and done it. it. It's, some, it's something I want to say about this movie... This movie references the game a lot more than the first movie. Yes. And then they do go into the exploration of the water levels in the Sonic games suck. Yes. It like Leah got like a big laugh when he like sucked up the air bubble from under the water. I was like, That's from the game. She's like, oh, I know. 
I know. I was. I felt that stress and relief cycle so many times playing that game. And then you drown. Yeah. That. And then you rage quit the game. I didn't. Fuck those levels. The, the soundtrack for it, Greg. You just simulating it. Just it took me to a place of stress, man. Like I didn't realize I remembered how it sounded until you were doing it. Yeah, whatever our listeners were holding to, holding on to, they were gripping it a lot tighter, just yes. like I did with the controller, because <laughs> that shit is so bad. Yeah. Do Do you think that we should do a synopsis, or do you think the people need it? It's Sonic the Hedgehog. If you saw the first one, the second one is a continuation of those same characters. If you haven't seen the first one, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> he, he fights Eggman and has a buddy. Yep. This is uh, Sonic 2 even more Sonic-y. Uh, mm-hmm. The first one didn't remind me very much of Sonic the Hedgehog at all, but this one uh, was, was screaming it in really nice ways, you know? Like, they, they were a lot of little Easter eggs, uh, like uh, when when the coffee guy is Stone, I believe, is, is his name, Jim Carrey's sidekick. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, like, going through fashion designs, and there's just, like, a real quick one of... Uh, robotnik dressed exactly like he is in the video games um and yeah there was just lots of little nice little stuff like that that showed they had a little more love for what they were doing i felt like i kept uh leaning over to my wife and just being like if he just jumps on (laughs) if the solution to this problem is he just jumps on his head for a second oh my god i'll be so happy just bang 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 and then you know the movie's over And then a bunch of tiny little forest animals just yeah, <laughs> come we, out. Yeah, forget about those little cage. forest animals that are trapped. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a fantastic finish. <laughs> yeah. And then on, on my way out of the theater, there's a sign and I slap it. And it's either Sonic's face <laughs> or Eggman's face. <laughs> Dude, honestly, it would have been the perfect movie to do something like that. Because the movie is just... it's completely uh what's what's the adjective form of levity is there one levitus um i don't think Le- I don't, levitation <laughs> it's 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 a very light low stakes movie like no one is taking oh, yeah. shit too seriously they're not doing a whole lot of they do they do a little bit of heartwarming message hitting you over the head with it but it's not like it's not like Sonic has a crisis of personal doubt. Um, Jumping on your head with it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Um, where he has to realize he was the chosen one who's who's supposed to save an entire universe or whatever. Um, it would have been the perfect movie to do something silly like that. That you could just bonk yeah. Eggman on the head and roll credits. Yeah, it, it, this, this could have been 20, 30 minutes shorter. It's like right at two hours for some reason what the fuck was that about dude i have notes about their padding the time and like the stuff they're padding the time with is stuff that i liked but it's it's two hours it doesn't need to be two hours yeah i we don't need to go to hawaii that's it's very clear why that happened yeah (laughs) because i like they were there and then like they send our main characters there, like James Marsden and his wife. Uh, they they send the characters there who are acting as like Sonic's parents, and you're like, okay, they're going to be out of the movie now. And then they keep cutting back to them in Hawaii, and I started being like, oh, this is like the Adam Sandler thing, where it's just like, 
yeah, we want the movie to be here because low-key, all of us just want to be on vacation in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the whole... And it worked. The whole wedding arc, like, we meet this married couple and we get kind of invested in them. And then they just seem like they were part of a different movie that ended, uh, like, in the middle of the second act of the Sonic movie. <laughs> and I, I kept I kept expecting them to, like, come back or, like, at least have, like some sort of throwaway line and they just never did they're just gone they're just they just disappear as as somebody that did watch the first movie the uh the female character that you're talking about so james marston's wife's sister yeah like the person that is getting married like as she was in the first movie she was also very funny in the first movie she was even better in the second movie and yeah i felt the exact same way like we didn't really need this plot line we didn't need it fleshed out this much yeah and then that whole thing is resolved like you were saying like right in the second act and it's it's the filler like segment that i'm talking about but it's also one of the funnier segments of the whole movie no yeah and like the golf cart chase scene like i I don't i want to look up the the actor's name um who played who played james marsden's wife sister no uh I don't. I don't feel right referring to her as James Marsden's wife's sister. I want to. I want to. I want to give her. Let's give her some credit. Yeah, she was very, very funny in this movie. Oh my god! It... <laughs> Idris Elba defends Sonic the Hedgehog 2's knuckles is what came up first when I googled Sonic. Oh yeah, too. he's playing. He's playing uh, Stringer Bell was uh, knuckles. I didn't. I actually didn't realize it was Idris Elba until right now. It totally makes sense. I think like twenty minutes into it, I was like. Oh, that's Idris Elba. Yeah. And I leaned to my wife. I was like, that's Stringer Bell. It is uh, Natasha Rothwell. That's the name I'm looking for uh, as as Rachel. No, she was hilarious. And I'm assuming that the the Secret Service guy uh, was was because he talked about Olive Garden so much. And the one thing I know about the first Mm. movie is you telling me Olive Garden is in it a lot. It seemed like that whole segment was like... They killed three birds with one stone, which was accept a sponsorship from the Four Seasons um, and get uh, get Rachel and the and the FBI guy or the gun guy in the movie. Like get both those yeah. characters in the movie, and they just had no reason to put them in with the story they wrote, so they just like scribbled in a side quest, right? <laughs> like <laughs> scribbled in a side quest. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm glad you see it that way because that's accurate. Yep. Uh, but she was funny. I, I only had like, I don't have a lot to say about the movie itself. Uh, most of my stuff comes from this. Is just like, do you remember our discussion on Con Air when I said that it was really funny that they were like showing Nicolas Cage through the lens of like, boy, isn't he this hot, strong, muscly man? Yes. While there were like 10 other guys with more muscle mass than him. Yes. This movie did the opposite where they were like, look at this scrawny piece of shit, James Marsden. Dude. And he's like, he's playing like beach volleyball with all these like, um, government agent guys. Right. And the way, first of all, the way the movie's, cut it looks like it's a 1v5 volleyball match (laughs) (laughs) and then like uh they were playing nukem and james marston's team was doing horrible (laughs) he was his own team and like 
the main government agent guy is marrying Rachel, so he's going to be James Marsden's brother-in-law. So they, like, have a relationship. They have a connection. And he's, like, talking down to him. Or not, not, like, talking down to him, but he, like, feels inferior. And then they're just, like, after the volleyball match, the agent guy has his shirt off, and he's, like, flexing his muscles. And then James Marsden, like flexes like lifts his arm and like flexes his biceps and he's fucking jacked yes like <laughs> yes just because he's 510 doesn't mean he doesn't hit the gym in a very obvious manner yeah like they're trying to make him look like the puny pathetic guy and then he's fucking ripped it was the opposite of the nick cage thing. yeah yeah our, our brains are on the same wavelength because like my the next thing i was about to say before you brought that up was do you feel like james marsden was too handsome for this role in general <laughs> like it was just not believable no. that he was like they were going for like lovable screw up but they got like fuck up fuckable hunk <laughs> like you know <laughs> like hot <laughs> Hot guy, good husband, good dad. <laughs> oh, man. Shucks. Down on his luck again. <laughs> but bad at beach volleyball. and um, <laughs> Bad at 1v5 beach volleyball. And his sister-in-law doesn't like him because of things that are completely out of his control, but get, he gets blamed for. That's uh, he, his one flaw. He, he kind of he stirs the shit in the first movie. There's, re there's reason there, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you have to watch the first one. I won't. I, it's no, blacklisted. I, I, no, you don't. I, I, That's a I joke. need an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've got front row, Joe. Um, I, I will say, the only other thing I like really had as a talking point of this movie is in that same scene where he's like feeling physically inferior for almost no reason, mm -hmm. he sees the agents, and they're like all best buds. They're like hanging out and like being buddies. And he's just like, Man, those guys, they have real camaraderie. They're like a real brotherhood. I wish Sonic had that. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> that was so weird. My guy, my guy, you don't have friends. <laughs> he has no friends. Your only friend is an, is an adolescent alien. <laughs> that he considers his own son. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's good that your wife is your, is your, like, best friend. That's awesome. It's good that your son is a friend of yours. <laughs> like, you don't have, like, a brotherhood camaraderie relationship with anybody. It was... <laughs> he doesn't have friends. I just feel like... And what he gets out of that scene is, like, I wish Sonic had friends. <laughs> Honestly, it, it seemed just like a really forced reaching shameless effort to be like wait this whole arc has absolutely nothing to do with what this movie's about how do we make this hawaii thing uh more about sonic because this is a sonic movie and he's not there <laughs> <laughs> and they're like ah we salvaged it how do we tie it back sure. into uh what's that one recognizable <laughs> ip that we bought the title sonic <laughs> <laughs> It would be even better if he was like, I wish Sonic had that. And then they just show him eating at a Sonic drive-in lonely with no camaraderie. It's like, every yeah, time they, I go they, to Sonic, I just don't have a solid group of guys. They film it the same way as those Sonic commercials, but he's just like talking to himself. <laughs> like, boy, these patty melts sure are good. And then crickets nobody's in the car god i wish sonic had that Any, anybody wants some of my vanilla slush the gang's all here the gang's all here 
boy, I wish Sonic had friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then ironically, like, unbeknownst to him, Sonic's out there, like, partying up with people, like, meeting other little uh, uh, permanently nine-year-old aliens um, and saving the world. He's like, man... If only Sonic had some closeness. Cut to Sonic having closeness. Completely relationships and friendship. <laughs> Organically, yeah. Um, I I also really appreciated that Jim Carrey showed up, I thought. Like, he really did a great... Oh, yeah. He did a great job doing 90s Jim Carrey stuff in this movie. He did not seem like he was just cashing a check. Like, they just let him go, and he, he brought the energy, and... Um, it's good to know that he can do that after having his brain erased by DMT, um, because he was—he's a pretty—he's uh, a pretty introspective sage these days, and I, I like that too. But it was also nice to see uh, a less transphobic Ace Ventura, you know. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> that was cool. He was his charisma was absolutely through the roof. Yes, and I, I love the part where he was playing Walk by Pantera <laughs> on like on his leg yes. as like an air guitar. I was like. This movie's got style. I'm on his side now. <laughs> I was so upset that they, like, cut away from that scene. I was like, what the fuck? I'm hearing yeah. fucking Pantera now? And it's just, I was like, I could have watched that for, like, the whole length of the song. Just him rocking out. Whole song. <laughs> he was like, walk on home, Sonic. <laughs> walk, <laughs> don't <laughs> run. <laughs> Respect. <Walk>. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> you talking to me? Man, I also, uh, a neat little Easter egg. Did you notice that they had Sonic do a, a little Jean Ralphia song thing? Yeah, he did. That, he did I, that the, popped the, me. This is the worst thing. It I was, was like, the worst. <laughs> I was like, oh, they know I'm watching a movie. Yep, that, that really popped me. They even animated the, like, talking into a cup tan thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. It, it's it's one of my issues that, like, I came, like, I, I found myself on the other side of the issue off and on was just like, man, they're just doing references for the sake of references here. And me saying that is also a reference for the sake of a reference. But references aren't jokes. Just because a guy says, like, boy, this is just like, <laughs> I don't know, fucking paddington or whatever yeah yeah like like characters making references to other movies just it's not a joke yeah it's 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 kind of lazy but like jim carrey doing it uh it, he it was it was funnier when he did it it, it seemed yeah. to land more often with him well i guess it's because he's jim carrey he's he's got a little hack there um Oh, yeah. I don't know. They, they they struck me more as like if you know you know than like stop and laugh. You know, like it just seemed like a little bonus for those who got the reference most of the time to me. Yeah, but there was just so many that it's it's hard for me to really see it that way. That's fair, and it, it you know something I did want to talk about that might just completely contradict what I said is what <laughs> what Pixar what Pixar gets is that 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 no other children's movies can seem to get and it's what something that makes pixar feel so special if they reference something they only reference something that is absolutely timeless um they they don't reference any sort of 
um, YouTube video or trend or anything like that, you know? And it, like, <laughs> if Sonic, if Sonic was like LeBron, exactly right, and it would, <laughs> it would be dated. This movie didn't do it as much as a lot of just like really lowbrow, like uh, just kids movies, not family movies, right? Yeah. Um, even even the first one, Sonic does the floss dance like twice, exactly, and it just it makes it seem so. Um, well, first of all, pandering. Second of all, it's already dated because whatever they're referencing was what was whatever the meme was when they were making the movie, like a year before it came out. So the movie mm-hmm. is dated by the time it even exists, right? <laughs> we just watched it in theaters. Yeah. yeah um, and I'm just like, I, I think it uh, de-elevates a movie. It's something that really brings it down and reminds you. It, it makes it seem more soulless. It makes it seem more like in, they just went like, all right, in like a musty old boardroom. What hip memes are the kids sharing on their Facebook feeds these days? Um, if we say TikTok, will the audience laugh? Right. Like, it's so, um, it's so distracting. It's yeah. I, I don't like it. So maybe I should shut up about what I said before this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't have too much else to say on the movie. I did like so. Oh, okay. So I feel like this is my last big statement. I guess is that so many of these movies like conflicts and some of the minor scenes and like minor set pieces could be solved by Sonic using the speed powers that he's already shown yes, for yes what one and a half movies yes i absolutely just, was scratching my head at some stuff like that just be fast right now you can do that like we saw you do it earlier that, just be fast right now that whole shitty uptown funk scene um god that that put the movie into a bad territory for me they kind of just did it and then stopped but i couldn't forget about it um yeah it 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 was so bad and the whole time it's like how are we ever gonna beat these guys and it's like how about you run around really fast and kick them in their fucking dicks like we just saw you like completely remodel a house in a nanosecond like (laughs) what are you talking about yeah, you, you ran from Seattle to, like, whatever wherever we are here. We saw you push a rowboat with your legs, like, running on water. Yes. And you can't just grab the map out of that guy's pocket who's ten feet away from you? Like, just fucking go get it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's distracting stuff like that, but it's it's a kid's movie. We have, a, have to have a dance number with the popular song. So but, but it's even, it's like, just try. Just fucking try in moments like that. When when Sonic just isn't running. Like, if you at least had him say, like, I rolled my ankle. That's all you have to fucking say. Like, it's, it's I go back to... Make his make his shoes special, and then he doesn't have his shoes at the moment or something. Sure. Um, and your movie sucks. Um, it often gets a lot of... The, the YouTube channel. I wasn't saying, Greg, the movie that you have sucks. Um... Your movie sucks. I don't have a movie, so I wasn't confused. He often talks about how he gets a lot of flack for like grading a kid's movie poorly, and he's and people yeah, are like, like he de- he doesn't put it on a different curve because it's a kid's movie. Exactly, yeah. but his defense of it is he's like, my favorite kids movie is Ratatouille. I love it, and there's something completely stupid that makes no sense in it, which is how does he control? How does Remy control Linguini? Um, and they both ask, like, how do you do that when he's pulling his hair? And they both just go, like, I don't know. 
And he's like, that's all I needed. I just needed you to tell me this doesn't make any sense and it's just part of the movie. And he, he's like, but I get mad when you blatantly contradict yourself. I, I get that it's a kid's movie and the science doesn't have to check out. Just make some rules and stick to them and saying, I don't know why this cool thing works that way is totally fine. Right. Yeah, kids, <laughs> kids are smarter than you think. Absolutely. I would say. And I, I think I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like myself as a kid would have picked up on the fact like, cause I played the video game. If this movie had come out while that video game was popular, I would have been like, but he can go fast. Just go fast right now. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh man. Um, I'll, I'll just burn through my notes here a little bit. Uh, wedding in Hawaii, real original. Uh, <laughs> speaking That's of just a. Re- I was gonna say, <laughs> Mister Reference Pants over here. Uh, I I really liked the some of the CGI was a little spotty in parts, mm-hmm. but there was the part where like Eggman is pulling like like it's like the emerald with all the power and like starts pulling all the tanks and vehicles apart and like pulling all the metal like towards himself like all those tanks just like dismantling themselves i thought that looked really cool most definitely and really good yeah uh and then he used all those parts to create egazord (laughs) (laughs) there's that waluigi laugh wow Uh, uh, speaking I, of Eggman, could I ask you a question? Sorry, I cut you I'm off. A, I'm a gonna win. Uh, what are you gonna say? That's all I was gonna say. Please cut me off more often. Um, do you think it was a shot at Mario that that Eggman is banished to the Mushroom Planet because Mario uh, is from the Mushroom Kingdom? Do you think that was an intentional? Uh, sh- I don't know why else it would be a Mushroom Planet. I feel like if this movie came out at the height of the game's popularity, that would be a thing. I was just like, man. And then he, like, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey also would have been the star back then, yes, right? Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> calling, he would have called it, man, I'm tired of my little mushroom kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And then that would have been a joke. And it would have been fucking funny as hell. Yeah. But, like, the Sega-Nintendo relationship is just, it's, it's removed. Like, any sort of competition is removed. Yeah. Like, they have video games together now. Sonic is in Super Smash Bros. Yeah. I was going to say it helps Maybe that there's like a little wink. Nintendo won the war. Uh, <laughs> that that, that kind of helps the they, relationship. <laughs> they won the fuck out of that war. And they're just dragging <laughs> dragging their victory across yeah. their... They're like, can we finally do they, Mario versus Sonic? And Nintendo's like, totally. At the Olympics. And no one will like it. So And everyone will shut up about Mario versus <laughs> Sonic after this. That's how we're going to kill that dream. We win. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna let you release games on our platforms, but they're all gonna suck shit. Sega. I was a Sega Genesis kid, man. I I, I loved those shoutouts that they did. I didn't have a Super Nintendo, but uh, my old neighbor Vincent, he like we had the Nintendo systems, and he had the Sega systems. Uh-huh. So like, if I wanted to play Sonic, we would go to his house. If we wanted to play N sixty four, we would come over to our house. Yeah, yeah. So that was that. That was the uh, the divide. So it's like we got you know the richness of the culture yeah. at the time between I, the two of us. I, I got the tour de force because like I had a, I had a, my grandma had Super Nintendo. She bought one so me and my brother could do something there. She actually had awesome. that and a and a PlayStation. Um, and I so you could play Twisted Metal at Grandma's house. Exactly, more like WWF play, SmackDown. Uh, 
Crash Bandicoot? Yeah. Wow! Uh, but at, at my house growing up, the systems I played most were... I love Crash Bandicoot, by the way. Um, oh! Ooga booga! <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we had mostly Nintendo and Sega at my house. I, I grew up probably mostly on the Genesis and the N64. But I remember, like, dude, my dad... Um, my dad just came home with a Sega Saturn one day, and I hadn't even heard of what a Sega Saturn was. Um, and, oh, wow. And I, I didn't know that was a thing. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to see what it was like. And then uh, one Christmas, we got a Dreamcast. And, brother, we played the living fuck out of that Dreamcast. House of the Dead 2 with the, with the, with the gun you could shoot at the screen. Yeah, um, yeah. I, Sonic Adventure, man, I loved that game. I yeah. My friend Vincent, like I was just saying, like he also got a Dreamcast later nice. on. We played that Sonic Adventure game and Crazy Taxi. Of oh course. my god, Crazy Taxi on the Dreamcast! I forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, like we got a GameCube and like he continued on the Sega path. Yeah, and we were just like, damn, this is so awesome. Yep. Then the Xbox and Halo came out, and life changed forever. Yep. I, uh, I I miss video the... games on the internet. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I miss the pre FPS dominated days. Um, uh, that might yeah. My jam has always been these classic Nintendo and Sega titles, and you know uh, whatever whoever makes Crash Bandicoot them too. <laughs> uh, Naughty Dog, they make they still make games. Cool. The Last of Us, uh, the Uncharted games. Yep. We'll we'll do that movie eventually. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, and so to yeah, the, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Rat, Ratchet and Clank, yeah, that that company that. still makes games. Cool, and yeah, in in the newest, uh, I think Uncharted game, there's like a level where you as the main character, like, are just ambling around the house, and you can go to your TV, turn on the PlayStation, and play Crash Bandicoot, like on the character's TV. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's the pretty feature, baby. fucking dope. A video game that plays a video game. That's pretty awesome. I love it. Uh, are we done with Sonic? Um, I, w- I wanted to at least talk about Knuckles a little bit um, b- before oh, we're yeah. done. Sure. Um, Knuckles is badass, man. Um, I did think oh, yeah, he's cool. they were kind of stealing the Drax the Destroyer gimmick, which I didn't appreciate too much of just like always serious. Everything's literal. And yet I, I dug it. It, it. I feel that. Yeah. It very much fit for the character knuckles i thought he is my favorite echidna without a doubt you know so i was excited to see him there um but yeah. he always had Fierce a fight for the top spot but yeah he always had a strong fuck off energy and i thought they captured that yeah most definitely i i i'm sorry we didn't talk enough about knuckles we were busy talking about crazy tax true good point so. good point um that's all i really had to say i just i thought they did well with knuckles i liked him and i was happy to see him oh yeah he he yeah it was basically drex yeah though and but a more kid accessible version of that yeah a more echidna accessible version of that ah this is an echidna's movie (laughs) that's right um do you want to get into gimmicks yeah sure sweet um our gimmick of the week this week is gimmick of the week. your favorite reason to go to the movies. Um, why you should go see these now instead of wait uh, until they're streaming, a.k.a. moments that were were special in a theater. Probably, yeah, exactly. And probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be on Paramount Plus, HBO Max, everything else. Fuck it. Yep. Uh, but for right now, um, the reason I saw, well, my favorite 
reason for seeing Sonic 2 in theaters was we watched this on a Friday at around 12.30 p.m. because my wife works Monday through Thursday and I I had taken like a few days off of work. Mm-hmm. So I just had Friday off and was just like, you know what, let's just go to the movies at 12.30. Nobody's going to be there. It's going to be a good time. There was us in the theater and then there was a mom with her young kid. In there. She was probably like five or six. And like they were in the middle. We had seats in the back. And then on our way up to our seats, like the little kid waved at us and it was super cute. <laughs> just awesome. like, hey buddy, have fun. And then at one point, like they left, I like, I guess to go to the bathroom, but like they, they both left and I leaned over to my wife and I was just like, I think she just realized, oh shit, it's a school day. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. <laughs> But but they came back. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, they're still here. I also uh, I I saw this at eleven twenty a.m. on a Sunday, um, okay. alone, um, and it was also like just the back row of the theater was like I think like two moms and and their kids, and no one else, and then me in the second row. And I felt so uncomfortable when I stood up to go to the bathroom just because I was aware that they were like looking right at me and I'm a fucking giant. <laughs> you know, like, and I was just like, I really don't look like I belong here. It like looks kind of sketchy that I'm doing this, I think. Um, going to kids' movies alone on Sunday morning. <laughs> but um, my favorite reason is that, wait, was that your favorite reason to see it in a theater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Mine is, uh, uh, first of all, honorable mention to the pre-show, um, and honorable mention to the movie itself, because it was actually, uh, it was actually kind of fun, and if I were putting this on in a streaming service, I don't think I would have sat through the whole movie, um, but since I was, like, at a theater and I was there and committed to it, I actually ended up having a pretty good time, but if I was watching this at home, I would have got bored, um, but these are spoilers- oh, yeah. Spoilers for two major reveals in the movie. Um, Diehards of the Sonic film franchise who haven't seen this movie yet, skip ahead a little bit. Um, <laughs> dude, for for all the like uptown funk stuff that I that I didn't love, I really started getting hype when they revealed Supersonic, um, and mm-hmm. like that scene was just like so fucking cool to the kid in me. And then uh, and then the the mid credit scene. Um, where they they cut to Shadow and reveal him, I legitimately was just like, holy shit! <laughs> like, I left that theater hype, man. And I don't think I would have gotten that far if I'd watched it at home, to be honest. I would have just been like, ah, this isn't, like, fun enough to sit on my couch for two hours watching. I'm going to change it, I think. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right, man. Uh, what is your favorite line from Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Um, my favorite line is Jim Carrey agreeing with us about too many references when he goes, they're doing the Indiana Jones boulder scene, and he goes, I don't want to die like this. It's derivative. Which <laughs> 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 is just so fucking funny to me. I, I laughed pretty hard at it. Um, no, that was perfect. Th- it was a great line. That's my favorite line. Um... I wanted to say mine was it, it is another reference, but I, I liked it when it was said. It was Sonic saying, We did not order a poltergeist. <laughs> but my favorite line does have to go to the classic 
I gotta go fast. God, I I got chills when he said it. Like he said it all like and begrudging and against the grain. I gotta go fast. <sighs> the gritty the gritty version, but you know, I liked it. I was surprised that they had the patience to wait that long in the movie to have him say it. Mm-hmm. Alright, I get it. Yep. Um, what's your critic or score, Greg? Oh man. Overall it was, you know fine pretty fun i think there were maybe a few too many moving parts in the movie i just kind of felt like it was a little disjointed yep. and not really sure why a bunch of stuff was happening but pretty fun i liked it i don't know if i'll see it again but uh in the meantime i'll give this one a 23 out of 40 nice um similar experience uh 28 out of 50 for me while that is a failing grade it's a narrow fail um, I honestly thought that, like, within the realms of a kid movie, what they did right, they did really right. Um, to the point that it made me want to be more harsh on them when they did stuff wrong. Because I was like, at least a solid number of people who worked on this actually had a vision with heart. Um, mm. And then a solid number also clearly had a vision with Uptown Funk in it. Um, so it's definitely, <laughs> like, an addition by subtraction thing. I think if if you cut, like... Um, or if you made the wedding sequence mean more, you know, like you could even have it just make it more, uh, again, le yeah. less disjointed, like you were saying, um, flesh it out and then cut some other stuff. Yeah. Like that whole fucking, uh, man, Uptown Funk is getting a lot of flack in this, in this discussion, but that, yeah. that whole sequence, you just dump it, like just fucking dump it. And I think it could have put it in like a, a solid passing grade for me. All right. Sounds solid. Yeah. My fate, my destiny. The threads have said that I will have my seamless edit. Mm. You might notice I didn't interrupt you or try to divert you because I, 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 I once tried to run from my fate with you, but I must face it. I was seamless edited. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. Oh, boy. It's time Woo! to talk about The Northman. Yeah, baby. Uh, the Northman is a 2022 film that you can watch in theaters right now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Well, well, I'll do a synopsis. Um, it's a very, uh, very Viking story. Um, it is uh, a, a, one of the most blatant hero's journeys I've ever seen. Um, but basically we have Alex Skarsgård uh, as an anonym, an anagram for Hamlet, um, Omelette, is, or something like that. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he basically lives out the plot of Hamlet, but with less comedic relief. Um, and he is the son of a king, and uh, Willem Dafoe does a sacred ritual um, to make him into like a, a mushroom crazy person king, berserker guy. A wolf. A wolf. Wolf. You are dogs who want to become men. Um, and Ooh, uh, wouldn't you know it, right after right after he does the ritual, his dad gets killed. Um, and he flees the kingdom so he won't be killed, telling himself, I will avenge thee, father. I will save thee, mother. I will kill thee, Fulnir, over and over as he rose. Um, he becomes a berserker for hire, um, a.k.a. the berserk with a mouth. Um, that's a Deadpool joke uh, reference for the sake of a reference. 
Um, and then he's like, all right, I guess it's time to face my destiny. After like 20 minutes of good fun berserking. Um, he talks to Bjork and gets a magic sword. He gets to talk to the, uh, the disembodied decaying skull of Willem Dafoe. Um, and find out, uh, oh wait, no, the foe gives him the sword. Bjork just tells him like, dude, stop fucking around and go face your destiny. Um, and he sells himself as a slave, um, to go and, uh, kill Fjolnir on Fjolnir's ranch. Um, and he does a lot of hijinks in the process and he fights the mountain from Game of Thrones. And then he does a whole bunch of more badass shit and he almost gets killed but then he doesn't a little valkyrie saves him and it's actually his his witch wife um and he impregnated her and he knows he must choose between hatred of his enemies and kindness for his kin and he realizes uh porque no los dos the kindest thing i could do for my kin <laughs> is kill their enemies um so he does that and he dies in the process the northman porque, porque no los dos. <laughs> he's a have your cake and eat it too type of viking as my ancestors would say from the great north gods <laughs> as i heard from odin himself porque no los dos <laughs> oh man greg what's your relationship with the film the northman this is a good ass movie yeah. dude yeah i you know, my relationship with this movie is I saw it in theaters yesterday. The nice. plan was to see it on Sunday, but we had to clean everything. Aww. So we saw it yesterday, and it was a really good time. Yeah, man. Another mostly empty theater. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with Robert Eggers, who's the director of this movie. His, this is his third movie. He's also done The Vivich which you may have seen that was his first movie and then he did the lighthouse with robert yes. pattinson aka batman and nothing else and the guy from good time <laughs> so uh we love robert eggers yes. here on this pod and we are very excited to talk about the north man uh, yeah i i saw it uh two weeks ago with uh friends of the show uh ivy and abby kolosaiki Vanessa Ooh. and enemy of the show Davis Kalk and friend of the show Morgan Grr. Watt and we all fucking loved but it not, and not then front row Joe. <laughs> but not front row Joe um even though we were in the second row um and I'll get into that in a second because it was cool um then a week later uh Davis texted me and said hey me and Colby are going to see the Northman at noon you in and I was like oh my god yes like didn't even question it saw it again uh in theaters one week after I first saw it. And both times we sat up really close. And this is what was really cool in the Alamo. The recliners recline back far enough that when you sit up front, instead of like craning your neck up, you just get to like lay down and look at the glory of it. Um, and oh, and it cool. was re like a movie like this was especially cool, like at ground level in a recliner, just because of all the cool ass imagery in it and just feeling it like, uh, just tower over you i really really liked the experience oh yeah incredible imagery is basically how i would summarize my experience with this film yes too, like, <laughs> i i don't know i just i don't have a whole ton to say like i have <clears throat> like major talking points on the themes and major talking points on like the filmmaking other than that i don't really have like a whole ton to say on this movie outside of I think this is the best 
thing that we have seen from Alexander Skarsgård outside of his IMDb profile picture. Yeah, I was. Have we seen other things out of Alexander Skarsgård? Oh my god, yeah, dude, he's in a bunch of stuff. Have you seen his IMDb profile picture? No, I legitimately didn't know who he was before I saw this movie, and I might get made. Oh my fun god, for that. <laughs> he he's been in tv film like uh man hold on now i gotta go to his imdb page i was teeing uh you up to go look look up uh him he was, I am doing he was one that. of the he was one of the big actors in true blood he was also oh. in Le- legend of tarzan um zoolander 2 like he he's he's, he's apparently a in zoolander 1 too oh yeah he's a super handsome guy which a couple times it kind of distracts, you know. He's maybe a little too handsome every once in a while, but Gosh, yeah. he's very, very good Swedish actor. He's been doing stuff for like twenty years, even in a oh shit, he's in Eastbound and Down. Um, I was legitimately like, wow, what a debut performance! You know, like I, <laughs> <laughs> come on, dude. I, I legit, I mean, I knew the name Skarsgård, but um, I've 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 seen a couple of the things he's in, and I just don't remember There's... him. There's the other Scars guard that I think was Pennywise in the newest yeah, eight yeah. movies. Yeah, he's he's uh, great Stellan, too. Stellan Stellan guard. Yeah, I thought it was Bill Scars guard. Am I making that up? Oh no, Stellan was in Dune and Chernobyl and Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Be about Bill. What a cool family! I think they're I was all related. Say, how many fucking Scars guards are there running around Hollywood right now? Who's guarding the Scars guards? <laughs> who watches the Watchmen and who guards the Scars? Who guards the Scars guards? <laughs> I said, but Doctor, I am Pennywise the Clown. Great joke. All laugh. It's a Watchmen reference for the sake of a reference. They looked up and whispered and shouted, "We float too." <laughs> I, I looked down and whispered, "It." <laughs> That sucked. All right, uh, <laughs> man. All right, do you? I, I'll let you go first on this movie because I have so little to say. Well, if I could summarize it in a sentence, I would say it's like three hundred. If three hundred were as good as I thought it was when I was sixteen, um, this is nice. like the the energy of what made me so excited about that in high school. But actually, in a really fucking awesome, well done, well made, uh, a beautiful work of art movie. Um, but it had all of that, like uh, all of that, like carnal man in me, you know. And I'm like, this is like a pear shaped guy who talks about feelings for a living and is sitting in a, a room full of toys and, and video game nostalgia. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking at him now. <laughs> yeah. Wearing a uh, WCW NWO Wolfpack shirt. Um, clearly a very masculine guy. Um, but it, Wolfpack, just like the Northman. Yeah, there's, there's just part of the socialization plus the testosterone that took that I was like, even my emotional ass was just like, yeah, he has your son's heart in a bag, you piece of shit. You can't fuck with him. You can't fuck with Alex Skarsgård. Like, just like... God, the, it was just such, like, mythic energy, man. I loved the fucking movie. Dude, that's so awesome. It's Yeah, the, it's the energy of this film. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's undeniable. Even from, like, the first 20 minutes where, you know, our main actor isn't even in the film. Like, 
you're just given this uh, fantastic um, preamble of the story. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, you're set in the motivations of the character that you know is coming. Like we know we're going to step into the future. We know this is like a revenge film. And we're setting it up and we're getting amped up. Like we want him to go out and seek revenge and avenge his father and save his mother and kill Fjolnir. All that good shit. Yeah. But god damn, dude. It kind of makes us feel bad about it a little bit, doesn't it? Well that's that's the beauty of it, is there's this sort of death of romanticism of it all, right? Of like your dad was actually a piece of shit and this is just a narrative that you're running in your head. Also, I'm your mom and I will fuck you if it means that I can still be the queen and not a slave. Um, and, and it really, <laughs> it makes him question like, or it makes you as an audience member question like, honestly, all this dude did was like kill a tyrant and then run a sheep farm you know like um Mm -hmm. i mean given like he's a feudalist slave lord i mean but um even then like for the most part he's not actively being a fucking dick to the slaves all the time Ah, he makes them fight for his entertainment why am i doing a slave apologist take i don't fucking know like you're fine so much of this movie like lands on both sides of the fence right where you look at your two, I would say, main driving forces of the plot, which is Uncle Fjolnir and Amlet, our main character. Yeah. And so much of their motivation uh, seems justified, and then they're also pieces of shit, but they can change. And They used you know, to be. <laughs> they used to be pieces of shit, and sometimes they still are, too. Yeah. But it's, it's such an interesting take on, like, fate and like the viking stories where it's just like it was fate i it was predestined i am destined to avenge my father in this glorious manner yep but then you look at the reality of the story and fate doesn't always care about what we think is morally correct right right like if what you're doing is predestined then maybe there isn't really a right or a wrong yeah like you're just set out to do these things and it's it's interesting like this this sense of duty that our main character has and like duty and honor and tradition we see a hundred times in other movies and it's always leading you to the righteous path but in this case it's it's not a dark path but it is a pretty dark gray path yeah like you're not being led to be like the moral superior in this fight yep while the other person did some wrong you carrying out your fate has you murdering your own mother and a child spoilers for the sake for the sake of like honor and also like what you believe is your fate and your destiny yeah it's it's a super interesting take on it and i'm i'm really glad the story was told the way that it was it's not like a pure departure of like sometimes fate bad yeah and main character extremely bad it was like he get some characters get their comeuppance but maybe the (laughs) what he wound up doing although he was destined to do it wasn't necessarily completely justified and the way he went about doing it was definitely not justified yeah 
Yep, and it's what uh, it's something that uh, uh, sister podcaster Abby told me um, that she was like, and this is I I don't know anything about like uh, like cool mythology or anything like that. I'm not very well read, especially historically. Um, but she was telling me it's like kind of a common theme that like when you seek vengeance, it's a snake that eats its own tail. Um, that it's just like this is this is a revenge movie, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just showing like. You know, also just like the futility of of living your life like that, because when when he was on the boat and getting away, there was like legitimate, there was a legitimate time when I was like, oh my god, what a powerful story, because they've had him be this like, just like testosterone filled, testosterone, testosterone filled, um, just Mm -hmm. symbol of masculinity. And I legitimately thought he was, like, gonna pull a Lebowski and say, fuck it and get a lane. You know, like, that he learned that, like, his life was a lie. Everything he'd based this, like, quest on was false premises. And he was just about to, like, take the help of his lover and just be like, dude, come on. Fuck this shit. Let's go raise a kid somewhere else. And there was a moment when I thought that could happen and wanted to see him do it. And then he's just like no i am gonna fucking i've gotta go face my fate and then they just like commit all the way through it and like a, something davis and i were saying we're like it's so cool there was like no message like there was like <laughs> there was like nothing prescriptive about this movie it was definitely not a like this is what you should learn and this is what you should do in your own life it was just like it didn't seem like it was trying to sell me anything morally yeah a hundred percent and Oh man, it, it it's one of the least satisfying revenge stories I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's just like just go be with your pregnant girlfriend who's twenty years younger than you, because Anya Joy Taylor is only twenty six. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. It's cultural for Vikings or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, man, like, <laughs> oh man. It, I, I do like that it's the story is presented in such a manner of like not a pure right and wrong, but also some things are purely right and purely wrong, mm-hmm. and you're just shown the story. Yeah, like here's how it is, and it's all I know is how the characters feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he. Uh, Almet feel Amlet, sorry, feels fulfilled at the end of it. He has, you know, completed his quest, completed his journey. He has died by the sword. He will ride through, ride to the gates of Valhalla, and his destiny is fulfilled, and he's satisfied. But like the reality that we know is that he abandoned a life of love and family and happiness, and all for a revenge motivation mm-hmm. that maybe was some of the details were definitely shrouded from him. Well, yeah, because you, you see the whole thing from his perspective, and by that point you know he's essentially an unreliable narrator without, like, without doctoring the events, but just, like, his perspective was so skewed, and that's something that we all do, you know? Like, we're, we're all the heroes of our own journey, um, or of, of our mm-hmm. own story, and uh it's actually something my therapist said to me recently is she was like 
my biggest blind spot is my own behaviors because I'm always going to judge myself by my intentions and other people are going to judge me not just by my actions, but their interpretation of my actions. So like the thing that's hardest for me to see is the appropriateness of my behaviors because all I know is how I intended them to be received. Right. And that's just kind of like, that's just what I walked away from this movie thinking about the most as I was like, God, I super related to him, but also kind of thought he was a pig headed idiot at the same time. You know, like I was, yeah. I was rooting for him, but I was also yeah. like, oh, you also learned like literally nothing. <laughs> he, he, he is a pig headed idiot, but it feels like he's our pig headed. idiot. Absolutely. We're glad that he feels satisfied, but we know that he could have had so much yeah. more if he knew the whole story or reacted to it in a correct manner i guess you could say well i think there's something sort of inherently admirable and appealing about someone who actually holds himself to their own principles even if those principles are super fucked up there you kind of got to respect someone who walks the who walks the walk and be like you know what i like what they're about um, I probably would have not stuck to my principles and I'm probably better off for it. But I, I mm-hmm. respect that, that. Like, I, I feel that way about like people of like spiritualities and creeds that I don't personally agree with. But the people who actually like live by the standards that they prescribe to others, I've, I've at least got to give them my respect, you know, like I'm like, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, man. <sighs> I think that's that's all my overarching feelings about the whole yeah. the whole movie. I like I said I, I I wasn't taking notes for any of these movies except Sonic Two. Uh, yep. Same. <laughs> I actually left my notes in the theater for Sonic Two. Oops. Some your your server was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> this fucking weird guy came here alone and fucking analyzed the movie. <laughs> Favorite line. What a loser. <laughs> Oh man, uh, man, Robert Eggers, he loves his birds, man. <laughs> he loves his birds. He also loves his farts. Uh, he loves his farts. He, if Willem Dafoe is in a scene, you can pretty much bet there's gonna be farts. Yeah, Davis and I were joking that it's like his red apple cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tarantino's foot fetish is to Eggers' fart fetish. Uh, <laughs> And he thinks I smell a wise pupil. Um, oh my god, <laughs> dude! I wish I wish Ethan Hawke uh, lived longer in this movie. Uh, he was I was really enjoying his performance as the king. Yeah, it. I mean, that's that's the story though, right? Like his death feels kind of abrupt. Yeah, but you know, it should. It it felt abrupt to the the son he left behind. Yeah. So. Well, no, it yeah. felt abrupt to us, the audience. Well, from, from a storytelling perspective, it was perfect. I just liked his performance and wanted to watch it longer. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, I was just, I was feeling Could it. it. <laughs> yeah, some, some more flashbacks of Ethan. But yeah, he, it was great. I, I really liked him in this, yeah. man. And I don't think there was a bad performance in here. No uh, way. My wife doesn't like Nicole Kidman at all. And, you know, we I had fortunately got her in this movie and then... Uh, Paddington one, so <laughs> dude, I we got we got our fair dose of Kidman this week. I was really impressed with Nicole Kidman in this movie. She was so like 
there was such a like stifled craziness to her character like i i really bought the like crazy behind the eyes i i loved her in this movie oh yeah she was good yeah she that crazy behind the eyes yeah that's perfect it's just like you know something else is there but how much is she going to show you and is it going to be too late when she does yeah and it kind of was yep so yep man speaking of performances this movie when i left it i was like when people ask me who like my top favorite actors are why the fuck do i never say willem dafoe um it just it just (laughs) you see someone i never think of and yet he's so fucking good i think i'm gonna I'm, i'm i'm going out of my way to really commit to him being one of my favorite actors ever he was phenomenal in this movie yeah, yeah, and like between this and like the new Spider-Man, the Lighthouse, and like even Nightmare Alley, like we're just getting just a healthy dose of like, like his his recent career work has been so inspired. Like he's he's been fantastic lately. Yeah. Yep. Um, dude, I just I couldn't get enough of him in this movie. It just every every moment he was on screen was just magical. Um, him being cast as like the fucking which slash court jester was so perfect just... <laughs> we dude there's just so much we haven't even talked about like that fucking necromancer boss fight holy shit that was dope that was straight out of mortal Kombat. yeah i was gonna say that's like a skyrim level yeah for sure yeah <laughs> the throt king oh uh, man uh, everything was good all the fights were good all the all the oh man I don't want to say the violence is good, but the violence was good. The fight choreography, yeah, like it's fantastic violence. Catching a spear, throwing it back, etc. etc. Oh, so badass, dude. That one like long shot in the in like the berserker scene where it's just like the it's it's in one take and they're just like going around buildings and you've just got like fucking presented as one take. Well, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um could have fooled me to be honest. Um but just they've got him just going around and just doing badass shit to every fucking innocent villager there is mm-hmm. i was just so amazed man and jumping off the wall onto the soldier on the horse yes Rad. oh my god shoving your enemy's decapitated head up your enemy's ass rad <laughs> that was a nice little subtle Shoop. yep i liked it yep um i want to talk about like i i talked about my main feelings about like the overarching themes in this movie uh i want to talk about some of the filmmaking aspects if that's all right and then we can kind of wrap it up yeah dude uh this is a masterpiece of editing holy shit i have not seen the vivich and i really want oh you'll love it how I'm curious. I'm I'm too scared. It is I'm scary. curious how this guy. I'm curious how this guy does horror because it feels like the film is reacting to the events that are unfolding mm-hmm. along with me, like the camera work that happens right before and right after the cuts. It feels like they're filming it, knowing ahead of time what the editing is going to be mm-hmm. like. Like there's a specific scene like in the um like the first act where um Amleth is still a child and like a woman is thrown off the castle wall and like 
it happens right in front of our main character and the camera like whips down focuses on the body for like the exact right amount of time and then the cut is the opposite where it's facing the child's face and it kind of like moves up and it's like this ex perfect exact cut that like oh my god like it just sells our perspective of him and like we feel what he feels based on camera movement cut camera movement we feel the exact same thing as him and like further praising the editing the there's like those moments of like just extreme violence has happened mm -hmm. where he's like terrorizing the people in the uh in the farm community where you know we've got the the um the kids friends that are all chopped up mm -hmm. and their body parts are arranged and like nailed to a house and the camera moves up to uh how those body parts are displayed and it's stays on it exactly the right amount of time to where we see it we understand it but we don't linger on it long enough to like fully see like the details of it like it's this perfect amount of time and then we cut immediately to i think it cuts to the uh the face of the um the king's son fjolnir's son mm -hmm. And it's just, ah, oh, it's, ah, it's a masterpiece. I love it. He's so good. Like, oh, it's so good. It's so well made. Dude, I, I think you probably saw me smiling because I think you're going to like The Witch. Um, if, if that's okay. something you appreciate. And not necessarily in, like, action scene cinematography, but just, like, when you said the movie seems to be reacting with me. I never had like mm -hmm. I never had those words, but I'm like, oh, that is so what watching the witch is like. Um, just that same yeah. general vibe where I kind of feel like by what's revealed, it's almost like I'm there looking around. You know, um, it's like this perfect mix of my reaction as the viewer of the film, while simultaneously like selling the movement and the reaction and the perception of the character that we're focused yeah. on. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, no notes. Zero yeah. notes. Fabulous. Beautiful, beautiful. Man, and just even, like, just how beautiful was it when they did all that, like, blacklight poster shit with, like, the Viking spirituality? Um, God, they just had some cool-ass, um, cool-ass looking up at the sky and seeing, like, constellations with Valkyries and shit moments. It was just so... Just so appropriately trippy. Um, and, and it's yeah. what I loved was the the story is so linear and maybe even overly simplistic at times. Um, but I think when you're going to stylize the aesthetic so much, it, this the same principle worked for Mandy, which is like if you have a really complex story underneath all of that uh, somewhat inaccessible uh, subterfuge, the movie's just going to alienate everybody. They're going to think it's like some dumb, stupid art film that no one can understand. Um, but man, it, it was such a smart move to have such a simple story under all this interesting visuality. Um, to just keep it like something that I really do think anyone could watch and like. I don't think it's like for film nerds. Like The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies of the past decade, no question about it. 
Um, I wouldn't tell someone who's not into like art house stuff to watch it. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's not it's not it's not for everyone. And if it's not your thing, I certainly don't blame you. Um, so, man, I I just I could go on and on about the Northman. It just it gets me so happy, man. I'm gonna go see it again. Fuck this shit. <laughs> You've seen it twice already in theaters. Yep. What's one more right. time? I'd go. I encourage this. I'd go a third time just to hear those songs again, like the throat oh, singing and all that. Yeah. Oh, and the, the the woman who's eventually sacrificed. There was something like so enchanting about like the notes she was hitting with like the the intriguing faces she was making, and then when they're doing mm-hmm. the like the fucking berserker chant where it's like. Bear brains burn in your man bodies. Like, are the fucking lyrics. Like, it's just so fucking cool, man. It's badass as fuck. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, what a manly movie. Yeah. For a couple of manly guys. Can, can I tell a, a proud joke I made on that subject while we were watching out? It's just a self... By all, by all means. Self-pop. Um, we left it and Abby was like... I really liked that movie, but I really think I need to go watch something hyper feminine to to counteract all the hyper masculinity I just engaged with, and mm-hmm. I, I quickly quipped with great aplomb, um, <laughs> um, "Okay, fine, guys, let's go see the North Woman for t- t- to balance it out." <laughs> <laughs> I was I was very pleased with myself. So pleased I used a public platform. <laughs> to Turn say around. how pleased Let's I was. Let's go see the North Woman. It's only fair. This is 2022. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you ready to gimmick it up? I'm ready guy? to gimmick it up, your guy. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. What is a gimmick of the week? Favorite reason to go to the movies? Uh, speaking of alternate titles, uh. We sat there a few for like a few seconds, processed it, and we're just like, "Wow, damn, that was cool." Yeah. Push our little trays aside, started walking away, and then a few of the people that we're in the theater with just stuck around in this weird age of Marvel and DC and post-credit stingers. I'm just wondering, like, are these people expecting like a post-credit scene? <laughs> Maybe a preview of the Southman. <laughs> I'm imagining uh, the stinger for Pirates of the Caribbean three, where it's uh, where it's it's uh, his his slave lover um, and and their son like seeing a fucking green flash, <laughs> waiting for him to come back from the volcano <laughs> or from Valhall. Um, that was your favorite reason because people sat there after it. Yeah, it just made me think, like, man, we'll just assume that every movie has a post credit <laughs> yeah. scene. <laughs> I always just Google it as soon as... I'll be like, is there a post credits in blah, 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 as soon as the credits start rolling. Is there a post credit scene in the Boz Lerman Elvis movie? <laughs> no. All right, we can go. <laughs> Titled the Boz Lerman Elvis movie. <laughs> um, my fa- Not interested. My favorite reason to go to the movies was... Uh, and this is one of the main reasons to go to the movies in general, if you ask me. This is mm-hmm. this is one where the sound design would have just not hit the same at home. Uh, and I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not even a like audio guy. I don't really understand it or notice it all that often. 
but man this was just you need this sound pumped through speakers hidden in the wall surrounding you <laughs> that's that's mm -hmm. it's just um that cannot be replicated in your living room so that was my reason yeah your your most expensive home setup doesn't quite match what you're gonna get out of seeing this in theaters yeah. and fuck, i'm so glad i saw this in theaters there were there were like specifically a few moments like not only the sound but like the screen itself i was like i'm so fucking glad i'm watching this in theaters like this is so cool like i can see the like we were in the back row i could see like the light coming from the projector like those light rays on their way to the screen and i was just like this is magic yeah. this is awesome just like this scene is being lit by a single campfire and this is so fucking cool and good Dude, that robert eggers and his natural lighting man He's good. What a guy. He's good. He's good. He's got he's it. Good. Can't wait to see what he has next. Oh, dude. Oh, he's he's just a fucking tastemaker, man. He's so damn good. Um, Tasty. La, 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 la. What's what's your favorite line? Uh, my favorite line is pretty simple. It is, I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. Mm. Fuck. I, I, I want to give some praise to the child actor. He was great. He was fantastic and looks a lot like Alexander Skarsgård. Which is a compliment any way you slice it. Which is a compliment because that is a handsome man. Yep. Man, just, he, oh, he, he delivers that line perfectly. And he's just the, the emotion he experiences we, we feel and carries over seamlessly to the adult version of himself yeah. so good good on him and we even got to see him make a transformation right from uh from a puppy to a king you know like we we saw his energy change he was very believably um innocent and young and then uh very believably um an aspiring badass <laughs> you know like yeah, minutes like later not, not just a little kid trying to be tough like daddy but like really believed he was tough and strong and like uh, yeah ah, his energy changed yeah you're right i didn't even notice that before but yeah you saying it you're right i wouldn't fuck with him um <laughs> my favorite line because it made me uh both both times in the theater um it just made me like clench my fist shake my hand and shake my hands and just look around and go like yeah we're in this kind of movie right now um first line of the movie i believe it's i thought it was willem dafoe saying it but it might have been ethan hawk or someone else but just hear me odin and just like it's bellowing and surrounding you and you're looking at this fucking cool ass tumultuous landscape and i'm just like oh my god that is how you let people know they are about to see something badass. Like that is that mm -hmm. is how you set the mood for some true badassery. Um, it's yeah. just such a fucking strong open. Um, do you know who says it? Is it Willem Dafoe? I, I couldn't tell. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not 100% sure. It sounds right, though. I like to think Probably it's Willem was. Dafoe. His I, I think his voice lends to his performance greatly yes. in this movie. I, I, I saw him and you're just like, oh, this is just Eggers' guy. 
not not just but you know yeah. like okay good they hired him again yeah. but that his voice just gives credence to his character yep. in such a strong way wise enough to be the fool <laughs> i'm something he makes a dick joke also <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm something of a northman myself <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh what's your critic or score gregoroo how do you do, fellow? <laughs> um, this feels a little low, and I want to watch it again. I gave this one a thirty-three out of forty, and I can't really tell you why. It is—it's the same um, score that I gave the unbearable weight of massive talent. I could see the scores for both of these movies going up. Yeah. So I have it at a thirty-three for now. I would like to see it again. I think it was very cool, very good. I like the moral, not necessarily ambiguity, but just like the moral conundrum that this presents. Mm -hmm. It's just like not everything is pure good, pure evil. Fate itself does not drive men to pure goodness or pure evil. Yeah, yeah. Fate and destiny sometimes make men do unsavory things man so i like i i loved the themes of this movie i loved the filmmaking especially and i think i will rate this higher if i watch it again yeah you just made me understand malachi black's character on AEW even more um i don't know what that means but i'm glad he, well he's he's super into the <laughs> occult and his wwe theme was all about how no man is ever truly good and no man is ever truly evil um you know like it's it's and he tries to and aw has like a tunnel that the good guys come out of and a tunnel that the bad guys come out of and he just appears on the middle of the stage um he doesn't he doesn't align it's fucking cool even though he's like definitely a bad his, guy his legs come out of one side and then his arms <laughs> now i'm a person um i, I gave the northman a 47 out of 50 a very high score um, wow yeah very high yeah. score um it's uh it's the same score i gave mandy actually and then i was like well i oh. i didn't like this movie as much as mandy maybe i should lower it but then i was like well first of all or alternatively <laughs> yeah i i might have raised mandy i don't remember um <laughs> I, I i think i definitely thought about bumping mandy up one um but I think for both of them, honestly, the only thing that keeps either movie from just being a 50 for me is uh, once we're this high in my rankings, we're really getting down to personal taste and there's a lot less objectivity. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think in my personal taste, I, I prefer a movie with a little more nuance in its writing. But even then, that's not something that Mandy or the Northmen did wrong. It's actually something they did right. I think that that was the right call for these movies, but... For me to say it's just everything it possibly could be. Um, I think what I always look at first is the story. Um, and so that, right. that takes it down a little bit more. But the, even then, that's like not a downgrade. It's more like why you got an A plus and not an A plus with extra credit. You know, like that. that's kind of how I yeah. look at it. This is a, a fantastic movie. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it. Um you know and if if the lighthouse hadn't been made i would say it's robert eggers best i don't know i actually i pretty good I actually like the witch more than this too let me revise that statement I, all right we'll watch it for halloween yeah. anyway 100 percent certain i like them uh, yeah like 
Mandy, I gave a 37.2, and I said I would rate The Northman higher if I saw it again, more than likely. I would not rate it as high as Mandy. Fair enough. And, And I, again, I think you can make them pretty much equals. It's just Mandy is more my thing, so I like it better. This really isn't, this really isn't my type of movie, and I loved it. So that shows how good it is, right? That it just Very fair. It transcended taste for me. The uh, the Alamo pre-show had this really cool clip of him in his teenage years, where they were like, it was him being interviewed, and they're like, "What do you want to do next?" And he was like, "Well." I want to go to this college and um, I want to get my degree in this and then I'd like to return to cinema. Um, and then they were basically like, and he did exactly that. Welcome back. <laughs> and I got emotional. You know, I was like, that's so fucking cool. Uh, you know what gets me emotional? What? Seamless edits. <sighs> that one was seamless. It was as seamless as, you know, the circular nature of a bagel. That's right. <laughs> But what if you try to put everything on it? Put, like, everything. <laughs> um, or what if Panera slices the bagel so they can toast it? It's not so seamless anymore. <laughs> oh, we're back. Over <laughs> I know we were everything, and we are also everywhere. We are happening all at once, but we're here to discuss a movie. What the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> of almost the same title. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dennis, are you on crack? Of course we're not everywhere and everything all at once. That's a community reference for you. Oh my god. The Sun Chamber. We are here to discuss the movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is is a 2022 film that you can watch in theaters right now. Yes. If you haven't picked up on the theme yet, they're all in theaters. Yup. Boy, this is such a special movie, man. Like we got out of the theater i was like i don't even know if i want to discuss this this is too incredible and too special that i don't know what kind of discussion i could have and then i think like the next morning and then that evening i was actually taking my notes on it like writing down what i wanted to talk about and i wish i had had the chance to watch this movie again before we talked about it but uh i guess i'll just have to watch it again another time yep. very soon denny what's your relationship with this movie man i i saw it a couple weeks ago and i'm i'm kind of resentful of myself right now that um i, I wasn't able to see it a second time and i really wanted to uh, for, for the podcast because i'm like i might be I might be a little bit foggy on some of the details because so much happens in the movie. Um, man, I just I, I wish I wish I'd been able to get the time to see it again. It was God damn, did I love this movie? I'm, I'm enamored with it. Um, I don't really know. Um, I mean, just like it's like, can we really add anything to the discussion? I'm not sure, but man, if this like signal boosts this movie to one person, it'll be worth talking about it um oh yeah but yeah man i just really wanted to see it and then i just kept hearing like in the in the clusterfuck group chat um like phil van hoek was like oh my god guys go see this movie then i did the same thing and then dylan derryberry did the same thing after we each saw it individually um so don see this movie if you haven't seen it yet um (laughs) man please i think you'll like it did you want to give more of a relational history with this movie uh yeah just like a a little bit i 
you you had talked about it on an episode i think like three episodes ago or something and you were just raving about it and you said it lived up to the hype you even had like a your letterbox review you posted on facebook and said if i could give this five and a half stars out of five i would uh this seems like a new tier for you and i and i had heard a lot of other people praising it and i was saying like okay i i get it i'm going to like it and it was people i trusted right like people i knew like if they like it i'm going to like it but i don't think it's going to be as good as people are hyping it up to be like it nothing lives up to hype like that right and then i finally saw it this weekend and it just matched every expectation yes it lived up to all of the hype it i i'm glad i kind of tampered my expectations to allow me to be blown away by it for the first time um yeah like (laughs) like i said it's it's so special uh yeah yeah take it from here denny well we'll we'll do a synopsis um but i did want to touch on the uh the specialness of it i came out of there being like this must be how people felt in 1994 when they saw pulp fiction or is that 95 um 94 94 yeah. yeah i was like this is just what it feels like to come out of a movie theater and feel like you saw something that like really hasn't been done before something that was just so damn fresh um and creative and successful at its challenges to the form um you know synopsis of the movie we've got a michelle yo is uh a unfulfilled laundromat owner with her husband uh data from the goonies um she has a daughter who um is kind of struggling with her family's acceptance of her sexuality and mom's a real people pleaser very traditional but also like a huge daydreamer clearly a very anxious person enter jamie lee curtis the irs employee um this movie's (laughs) all about them doing their taxes um and um basically she gets contacted by like a version of her husband from another dimension who is like a fucking rogue fighter um and is the fucking shit part of this resistance um against this evil force we keep hearing about um and as multiverse shenanigans continue to ensue we find out the evil force is her daughter um who is driven by the hatred of her mother to like terrorize multiple dimensions and um it's affecting every timeline and this is just one of the most mundane versions of their family essentially um and so man just so much cool genre hopping and mother-daughter relationships and uh cultural norm discourse and absolute hilarity is ensuing um it's so funny and so powerfully emotional and so fucking cool and they uh managed to make something as as high concept and inaccessible as a, a multiverse indie movie uh, I, I don't know if it's indie or a24 movies indie movies they at this point probably still a little bit yeah, yeah. I, I feel like indie movie now means more like of a vibe than a like literal like uh independent promotion you know like um mm-hmm. but um it's just so anyone could watch this and love the living shit out of it like you don't need to be some kind of film buff to like really get why everyone's talking about it like it's 
it's for the casual moviegoer and the like film critic alike um i can't i just can't believe they're so successful at some of the complex bold and difficult things that they attempted that's a hell of a plot summary my guy yeah i just started reviewing it about three-fourths of the way through so sorry about that i love it i love it that's what's so cool man like you were saying the accessibility of it i was i was surprised by the accessibility of it and like not to say that every super accessible movie that i would like something that's less accessible right yeah it's just like i only like high concept super artsy things and this is such an ex like such an experience that anybody could walk into and get something out of that i feel like i got everything out of and (laughs) i i think everybody in our theater did the same you've got this incredible story of uh, a daughter of an immigrant mother struggling for acceptance uh for her life and in all manners we've got the story of you know and uh an immigrant mother trying to make things work for her family and then we've got this bonkers sci-fi multi-dimensional uh story like appealing to like sci-fi nerds like there's just so many things going on that would like appeal to so many different audiences and then like the relationship between uh our lead character and her husband even like all these relationships oh my god like every single emotion and is completely earned and like like we said we're crossing between dimensions like they they lean into the weirdness of like an interdimensional travel kind of movie and every single moment of like weirdness or like strange concept has intentionality which further in like further just um perfects like it further cap oh my god what am i trying to say encapsulates encapsulates that every emotion is completely earned is what i'm trying to say dude i'm just like sitting here in reverie of like the emotions i felt when i was watching this movie and just kind of like as you're saying as you're saying things like that i'm like ah yes that scene and that scene where i felt this way you know like and like Mm -hmm. it's just so god it's so good man it's so good and that's what's crazy is like you you think of something as high concept as this is like well maybe i'm getting something out of it i understand what the directors are trying to say but i'm in a theater with like 20 other people 20 plus other people that when things are played for a laugh i'm laughing and they're all laughing when things are emotional they're gasping and i'm gasping like everybody is having the exact same experience it's it's one of the most unique theater experiences i've ever had yeah and that's that's not spoiling my gimmick at all or mm-hmm. anything but that's that's just that's just the way it is man yeah um something that like to me really demonstrated the mastery is that they could hop from martial arts movie action sequence to very grounded emotional content to will ferrell dick jokes 
while still incorporating grounded emotional content and kung fu martial arts type scenes um <laughs> i could and just like to 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 borrow a phrase from the great greg johnson so seamlessly um i just couldn't believe that a movie that like on paper should be extremely disjointed had so much flow right just so much like symmetry yeah. to it it's it's not only like flowing between like emotions within the scene and like themes it's flowing through different styles of filmmaking like we're going from like our modern times we're in like a certain aspect ratio we're a certain lens a certain camera we're shooting digital and then we're snapped into like a four by three aspect ratio shot on film filmed completely differently and we're like flip like snapping between the two yeah. like perfectly yeah it's it's amazing how this thing got made where we're just like i i don't know how they did it. how do you coordinate all these different emotional beats yeah filmmaking styles and techniques and and just like and like action sequences that are all working together in the same scene how do you make that all cohesive and make sense as we're flipping through them so quickly yeah it's it's unreal dude like how do you how do they how did they do it well so this is my theory because i think that um of the two directors that just refer to themselves as daniels because they're both their first name is daniel um they're the daniels um one of them um let me look up his name here it's it's dan kwan um he has predominantly done music videos as a director um okay. and he's done them for everyone from manchester orchestra to dj snake to ten Ooh, to style? tenacious d um Man he okay. did simple math for manchester orchestra Ooh, that's a good um one. and so to me i'm like i felt like i saw his his influence as, as a music video director um that he was able to just do so and like alamo played clips of his videos and they were all all very very creative and all very very different um and so i feel like he kind of got his reps in with all of this like variety in in just like his career leading up to it of, of just finding little vignettes for you know like two to five minutes um and just making that the most awesome two to five minutes he possibly could um usually with a really original and cool idea um yeah man that that's that's pretty interesting i didn't know he did uh music videos oh shit that's that kind of makes sense just like short you know somebody that's experienced with like short vignettes and how they can make all these little sequences work together and then working with somebody like daniel scheinart who is the other director in this yes movie. best um, imdb profile pick in all of history by the way did you not go to alexander skarsgård's no did you not go to daniel scheinart's no i did hold on i'm going to, i'm, I'm going to skarsgård keep talking <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, I I gotta say, like the the buy-in for these characters is absolutely instantaneous. Yes. Like I 
I understand Evelyn and I love her. Yes. And it's 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 such a unique thing to you know, you open your movie, here's your main characters, you like them. Okay? Several movies have done that. Yes. That makes sense. And then we've got a movie that's hopping between realities and introducing new characters. And I care about those new characters too. I am engaged with them. I care about this little fucking raccoon that's cooking under a guy's hat, right? Like, I'm emotional in the scenes with Rakakuni. The the insistence to continually return to Rakakuni is... Oh my god, the joy it brings me. Like, I feel... It's insane. Jamie Lee Curtis, right? I am... I am just enamored with her in this She's movie. She's so good. I am vehemently against her in, like, the main storyline that we're focusing on in the beginning, right? Yeah. And then in our hot dog finger... <laughs> <laughs> I want her to feel love. Like, it's it's ridiculous. As we move to, from scene to scene, even with, even with the same characters and the same actors, I'm... I, Ugh! Like, I, I, I'm sold on the characters' motivations, and I'm on their side. Even though we're hopping in and out of those stories yeah. in, like, rapid whiplash pace, yeah. right? Well, and... It's insane. It's because, like, not only does it tell you immediately what these characters are about, but it tells you why you should care about them. Um, it, it gives mm -hmm. you reasons to invest in them, not just know who they are. And... Even, like, a character like Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the heel when we meet her, um, she's really funny. So they didn't they didn't make us hate her, <laughs> even though she's really she's yeah. really annoying, but she's really funny. Like, she's got some great lines, and just, like, her fuddy-duddy performance just adds this, to it even more. This is bad. Yeah. This is real yeah. bad. She, she plays it like a soft antagonist, and then she's thrust into the role of, like, a very big obstacle yeah and then like a few minutes later she's like a sympathetic character yeah. and i understand both and i am motivated to feel the way i'm intended to about yep. both it's insane and they're wearing the same outfits yeah <laughs> like it's, there's no difference well and i think that nuance is so great especially in uh uh what's the name of michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn. Evelyn. So Evelyn, I, I didn't even realize the the connection between like how her character present is presented and how Jamie Lee Curtis is presented. But what what stuck with me about Evelyn is, um, she didn't magically become perfect by the end of it. Um, and they they made us they made us really feel for her and resent her with the rigidity towards her daughter, and especially in that body shaming scene towards her daughter. Um, because you're yeah. like, you, you know that she has something to say that she needs to say, but she's not comfortable with like expressing how much she cares or her emotion. And so you have her perspective and her daughter's perspective at the same time where like, you're like, man, I know what it's like when an overbearing, uh, uh, parental figure just won't won't be receptive you know like won't won't open their mind just a little bit to my perspective you know I, you feel i think everyone's had those moments with their parents no matter how 
good or bad your parents were, you've probably had a moment like that. And you know what it's like to be the girl. And you also know what it's like to be to be um, Evelyn. Where you're mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm overcompensating because I'm uncomfortable with my own feelings, but I want to say what I feel so bad. And I love that at the end, they kind of tag it on a little bit where she still uh, body shames, I believe, Evelyn's girlfriend. Um, and it's like, I don't remember what her name was. Um, What's her name? Or not, not, not Evelyn's girlfriend, her daughter's girlfriend. God, I... Joy's girl. Joy. It's been a couple weeks. I, I don't remember most of the characters' names. No, you're good. You're, um, good. you're good. But, like, there was just this, like, there was this really cool moment of realism in it where it was like, hey, she's still set in her ways and she still makes inappropriate offhand com- comments like that. But, mm. uh, but Joy is able to give her a little leeway in moments like that because she shows up relationally in other ways, right? And it's not about waiting for the people in your life to become perfect before you start loving them. It's really just more about waiting for them to become safe before you're vulnerable with them. And so she showed joy that she can be safe to be vulnerable about who she really is. And it kind of helps you let it roll off when someone does something dickish to you, when when you have that kind of relationship with them. Um, Man... I'm just I'm just crazy about the character development in this movie. A hundred percent. It's 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 perfect character development and it's perfect relationship development. Which I I'm a, I'm amazed that they got relationship development a between multiple sets of characters. Yes, and multiple sets of characters that are experiencing different relationships in different realities yeah. as we go along it's it's unbelievable yeah. dude i it's so good i think i think my favorite had to be uh evelyn and her husband uh waymond sorry i i, I just I, I have to derail i want to come back to to evelyn and her husband um yeah i'm, I'm on imdb and uh there's three character names that are cracking me up. Um, is it is it their uh, stunt jumpers? Oh no, that's one of my notes later. I haven't okay, even seen that. Jenny Slate is credited as Big Nose. <laughs> yes, um, yes, she is. Jamie Lee Curtis is na- her character is named Deirdre Bo Beardra. <laughs> <laughs> and then, just funnily enough, there's a guy whose real name is Biff Whiff, and his character is just named Rick. <laughs> Would you like to know who Biff Whiff is? Sure. He is Santa Claus. <gasps> he is Detective Crashmore. Detective Crashmore. That is Biff Whiff. Dude, I just pulled some completely unprofessional bullshit with Biff Whiff, and I'm sorry for that. Dude, I, I had to look at I I looked it up today, because one of my notes was all caps Detective Crashmore. Yes. And then I was like I got to get this actor's name because I'm going to bring him up. Yeah. And I said, okay, Bill Whiff. Wait a second. Go back to IMDb. Biff Whiff. Holy shit. Fuck. Yes. He's seen every cock on the planet. You guys fucking suck. (laughs) (laughs) Don't save any cages. They ain't going to be in jail. (laughs) Christ, I'm so pissed. (laughs) I don't even want to live anymore. Everything has sucked lately. Stop running! <laughs> oh my god, he he was great in yeah. this, dude. Um, 
Oh man. Um, yeah, it, it's like you were saying about uh, Buscemi in uh, Fargo. Like, how would it feel as an actor to be called? Well, well your character, everyone's just going to refer to them as funny looking. Yeah. How would it? How would it feel as Jenny Slate to be like? Your name in the movie is Big Nose. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That's, that's way worse than kind of funny looking in a general Yes. Way. Uh, thankfully, Jenny Slate uh, uh, strikes me as someone who's very comfortable with self-deprecation. Um, but... And she was funny in this. I, oh, she I was, like her. She's funny in everything. I a, love her. She's another character that I love in this yeah. because she's just like... You're just like, oh, she's just this dismissive bimbo that's just disconnected from reality. Mm -hmm. And then she just goes to their party. Yeah. she's. They're just like, oh, we're having a celebration of Chinese New Year. It would be really cool if you came. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, cool. And then she shows up to the party. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's invested in the community. Yeah. How cool is that? Well, she rocks, man. It, it's a movie about challenging ah. assumptions in many ways. Um but let's. Uh, you were gonna say something that I really want to hear. I just got distracted with laughing about um, Evelyn and Wayman's relationship. Tell tell me more, just your thoughts on that because I think it's so it's so beautiful. Uh, it's it's pretty minor. I think I was more high on how they flesh that out completely. Mm -hmm. On top of, I think the main relationship we we're focused on was the mother, who's in. Uh, the first generation mother immigrant and the daughter who grew up uh, in the States. I think that was like the main relationship of the film. Obviously it mm -hmm. was, but we still get this fleshed out uh, relationship story between Evelyn and her husband, Wayman. It, it's so beautiful because he's, you know, all of our assumptions about Evelyn are that she's kind of distant in any other movie. She may be like trying to leave her husband, yeah. but in this movie, her husband, who loves her very much, just wants a deep relationship with her, yeah. is has just yielded. He's just like, I'm not going to win your affection. We're not the same couple that we were when, you know, we met when we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. We are in different places, and we're moving on with our lives in different ways, and we've arrived in different places he's the one that presents her with divorce papers yes. eventually and it's he's like I, I i love you so much and i have all this affection for you but you're just not there yeah. and that relationship at least in this little universe this little statistical anomaly of a universe gets reconciled in such an organic and beautiful way mm -hmm. and i'll save favorite lines for later mm. uh more on that but yeah well and i love that like we kind of set it up as like almost this like classic sitcom situation where um waymond is this like um very complacent airhead that is just like you know kind of your sitcom dad always cracking jokes never doing anything useful uh con yeah constantly amused with himself and in, in any other movie he would be like the kind of emotionally distant husband that's just like watching tv yeah. and just wants everybody to be quiet so he can watch tv yeah and then we flip it and we see that like actually evelyn is the complacent one he is really trying to do some like hard work on the quality and depth of their relationship and she is like digging her heels in, you know, because like even 
it's something I loved about, like, even he said, like, him presenting the divorce papers, he was like, I'm telling you, like, this is actually what worked for my friend. Um, until they actually considered the option of divorce, they weren't really able to address their shit. And that's really what I'm trying to do with you. I want to address our shit and realize that not addressing it and not resolving this is on the table. Um, he's actually the mm -hmm. one pressing to get out of the comfort zone. And she's like miserable, but functional, you know, like she essentially, mm -hmm. we meet her and it seems like she's living half a life, but she's making all these sacrifices to keep the family together. And really like her, uh, lack of presence is what's tearing the family apart. You know, like she's, she's definitely set up as the glue and it finds out she's like the, uh, the glue solvent. I don't know. You know, like that <laughs> she's actually pushing everyone in the family away and telling herself that they're lost without her and, that, and resenting them, you know, like thinking that they're fuck ups yeah. essentially. It's such a cool flip, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I, I love him. Also, fantastic actor. I, I don't know if it's going to make it into the uh, the edit or not, but he was the the he's a Vietnamese actor. He played the young boy in the Indiana Jones, the Temple of uh -huh. Doom, and he was also in the Goonies. Took off for a while and then eventually came back in this movie yep. and just absolutely delivered on another level. Yes. Um. <sighs> I feel like we scratched the surface almost <laughs> on this, dude. Like you were you were talking about uh, when you went to IMDb and looked at the character names, and I wanted to give some special love to our stunt performers. It's one of my favorite things that they do in movies, like Tarantino does with Zoe Bell, is get your your stunt men, your stunt women, your stunt performers, and Put their faces on the camera. Make them characters. They don't even have to say anything. It's kind of reminiscent of when we did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. Right? Where you said, like, the people performing the the musical numbers, playing the instruments, were the musicians that performed the live version of that play, right? And <laughs> it was really cool to have stunt performers doing the stunts but their faces they were also like they were the characters in the movie too and they had cool names like edgelord was the one wearing, <laughs> like, the anime shirt. <laughs> it was so funny and so cool and it was like they didn't really have any lines but they performed with their faces and their bodies well enough like those are our like interdimensional jumpers yeah. were we're just traditionally just stunt workers and we're just they are maximizing everybody involved with the film. Yeah. And they're part of it. And I want to give them some, you know, special love there. Dude, mad props. I, I really now, more than ever, I'm like, holy shit, I've got to see Swiss Army Man. Because it's by the Daniels. Um, yeah. I, I've never seen it. I'm just like, I need more of their work. Oh, yeah, 100%. I wonder if uh, Daniel Scheinhart was also <laughs> also in that movie, like he was in this movie. God, I was I was so happy when I saw him show up. Um, <laughs> uh, according to YMS, he's actually solo directed um, 
a movie that I want to see purely based on its title, which I believe is uh, The Death of Dick Long. I'm confirming that. Yeah. yeah. Yep, The yeah. Death of Dick Long. Um, man, I, I got to see more of these guys' stuff. They're so good. Yeah, absolutely. Just like... All right, we... I was, yeah, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say, talk about directorial fingerprints. Like, just like you can tell this wasn't some, you know, like he directed one good movie, so Marvel hired him to direct 20 mediocre movies, and it could be anyone, it could be <laughs> any yeah. slew of directors that get those jobs. And Daniels present Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, exactly. No, this this had personal <laughs> touch all over it just personal style voice and it was they clearly have an extremely unique voice because i have never seen anything like this movie no never not even close i i was kind of hoping for like a little bit more like of the multiple universes like there's that probably like 30 40 second sequence Mm -hmm. it's just like the music is swelling super Mm -hmm. loud and we're just like going through all these different Evelyns in like different universes. It's just like every frame gets two images, it feels mm-hmm. like. Where it's just like there's an animated one, there's her like in a chef hat, there's like her doing all it's a movie it's it's a part of the movie where I just like had my eyes just wide open, glued to the screen my ears just open and absorbing all this noise mm-hmm. and i'm just like an emotional wreck but my head like can't process it all and like we're just getting like little half frame glimpses of all these different universes and i kind of wish that we had explored a few more of those yeah like as as we go through the movie we kind of like jump back to the same five or six mm-hmm. or like jump between them but at the same time i understand why we couldn't do that i i it's i i feel like that part served as more of a reminder of like how many possibilities there were Mm -hmm. here my heart wanted more but i also understood that we couldn't get more well i think that's what i liked about it because i assumed that so many of them were one-offs um and then they just kept following up with them with like really cool stories like especially like rakakuni and the rock and 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 the rock one the the universe where life never evolved um and they're both rocks with googly eyes like yeah actually like 75 percent of the universes are like this yeah well yeah exactly that was so good it makes so much sense and um they were like those are whole universes that they invented as a gag and, you know, so I think there's, like, no way that we're going to return to this in any way. It was just to get, like, a, a quick laugh. And then, like, the fucking rock universe is one of the most powerful damn moments in the movie. And then, like, yeah. when we see her give up on saving Rakakuni and then find her second wind and, and hop up on his shoulders and start controlling him that really is one of the biggest like (laughs) yes moments of perseverance in the movie you know like um just this like blind commitment to reaching her daughter no matter what it took no matter how ridiculous she felt no matter how silly it was and maybe for a, a rigid older person with conservative ideas about life 
maybe that's what it's like to find your acceptance for your daughter even though her being gay makes no sense to you right like that's mm-hmm. that's what it takes is it's it's unconditional love it's like no matter what happens even if we're just two rocks in a universe where there is no life i will find a way to love you like god damn mm-hmm. is that powerful and that's it's perfect that was the perfect scene to like really flesh out that idea right it's one of the few universes where things really breathe yeah there's just silence and you're only giving given uh subtitles of what these rocks are saying to each other but like it's another one of the moments of genius of filmmaking too is i see character in those rocks yes that's insane dude like all of the characteristics that i've seen in the over the last like hour and a half i am putting that i'm putting that my mental image of those characters into these two rocks just because i understand that this one has this color text and this one has this color text it's amazing that they did that yeah like everything they did is effective nothing is nothing is requiring like maybe i'll suspend a little bit of disbelief for some buy-in here everything is just natural nothing feels like it requires a level of buy-in everything feels like it's just like oh right of course i my emotional connection to this has been established and earned already i don't have to think twice about it yeah yeah, well, and it's it's almost like a flex to say, like, hey, I, I honestly, I didn't get the vibe that this is what they were trying to do, but it works as a flex, which is to say, like, hey, you know, our story's so good that we don't actually need all these sci-fi bells and whistles. Like, that's that's how damn good our story is, that we'll make you cry about it with subtitled rocks. You know, like, god right. damn, <laughs> what a, what a what a vote of confidence in the story you're telling that you could strip it down to like literally nothing but googly eyes (laughs) and that would actually be more powerful than a lot of movies i've seen on the whole (laughs) you know like what what a vote of confidence in your own work in your own abilities and in, in the power of the message you're conveying man Ugh. yeah a thousand percent and what we're saying about like the sci-fi elements like we haven't even touched on that this is a sci-fi movie extremely and <laughs> this is it's it's such a minor detail that like i noticed um maybe a few minutes into after it had been presented we get our you know introduction to evelyn that hey multiple universes exist i'm jumping between them and then like this version of wayman is actually in a van right he's got like his goggles on with like a a, the crew and he's doing some some matrix one ass shit yeah i was about to say it's very matrix one reminiscent like we we don't get the scene where Evelyn. I was ex- I was waiting for it because we get this so many times, right? I'm waiting for Evelyn to go into the van and be like, "Hey, this is this character. This is Steve. He does the tech." Oh, 
I'm a nerd. This is James. He's weapons. Oh, I'm a badass. Like, we don't need to meet all these characters. We've seen in several other movies th this concept, right? Of just, like, the van of the tech guys and yeah. <laughs> tapping into the reality that we're seeing in the movie. We don't need to flesh that out. We get it. I, I love that they understand that. I love that they don't waste our time acting like we don't understand that it, it, we just it, you know it, it feels kind of shitty because i think they get like killed at a certain point but yeah. <laughs> you know we just like there are tech guys in the van right yes and that's all they yep. are that's all we need them to be we don't get their names we don't need them we don't need to add additional characters that are just like loosely connected to our main story anyways it's it's simultaneously saying we know you get it and also these guys aren't um really pertinent to our main story yeah perfect yep yep all just, done just everything is just right you know like just right even the little things like that they're just measured perfectly with precision and yet it feels so freeform so effortless right like that's that's the beauty mm -hmm. of it is they're doing these insanely complex and difficult things and it's the same like the great ones make it look easy right like you don't mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're watching something that is labored um it's just it's so just it's just the the theater going viewing experience is just right like i just can't think of anything that could possibly be better about it like so i love it man i love the movie yeah th this is one of those things that i know that years from now i'm going to look back on and say like i'm so glad i saw this in theaters like i talked about we watched this in the alamo in las colinas right and it was one of the smaller screens and when i was buying the tickets i was like okay there's like 40 seats it's just going to be like a smaller screen we got there a touch late. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, the trailers were rolling, and the theater is smaller than I ever envisioned. And, like, all but maybe ten seats are filled. Mm -hmm. And the seats don't recline. But I still get, you know, I still get the same Alamo experience. I still get the same, like, great server and everything. And I, I still get, you know, you know, I'm comfy, like sound is great picture is great crowd is great nothing's wrong at all it just feels like smaller and more intimate yeah. and i'm just i'm so glad <laughs> i went out of my way to see this in theaters instead of waiting for you know a streaming release to watch this at home yeah man and i i, I hope i see it again in theaters yeah me too i i talking about it now uh, part of me was like well I guess since I didn't get it done in time for the podcast, uh, I, I probably will just wait until it's streaming to see it again. And now after this discussion, I'm like, dude, no, I'm going to go. What am I doing? Tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going to go see it again. <laughs> podcast be damned because I just really, really, really want to see it again in theaters. You know, like, oh, my God, I need to see this movie again. I love it so much. I, that's what I've just. Absolutely. I, I love when a movie just makes me repeat that over and over again on our show. And I just keep saying, like. It's so good. I love it. Because that's what just like truly being enamored with something is. Is I'm like, I just, I kind of even just like forget the details of it and just 
get lost in how I feel about the movie um, and how the movie right. made me feel while I was watching it. Um, so yeah, perfectly said. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've brought up like I, I've heard I've been self conscious because I just it's completely organic. I just keep saying those phrases over and over again because they're just like. They're just like <laughs> demanding to come out of me, like an expression of, of appreciation for this movie. I, I just can't keep it in. No, no need to feel self-conscious. I think we're on the same page. I'm just more, this is the most talkative I've ever been about a movie. It's just like, I kept adding notes. Like, like I said, like I started taking notes the day after I saw it. And then the next day I had a couple more. And then the next day I had a couple mm -hmm. more. So I, I had a lot to talk about. Hell yeah, man! I, I think I think we've done it justice. I think we've done ourselves justice. Would you agree? We gave ourselves to, to the chance to fully express how much we love this. Yeah, I think so. Uh, really quick, I feel like there was there was a moment where you know we're kind of snapping between realities. Joy is telling Evelyn like reality is this way, and she's like holding a sword, and then the sword like changes to like 30 different yeah. things over the span of like a few yeah. seconds and i swear for half a frame one of those things is an oscar <laughs> i'll look for it on the rewatch i i hope so i it it was in that scene with like they it's like full screen and then it moves to the wide screen as they go to like a evening time like bamboo yeah. tree and like they do like a little fight yeah. scene when she's like the weapon she's holding like turns into a bunch of different stuff i swear one of them is well, an oscar and if it is they're really calling their shot and i think it's really earned and i'm not mad about well, it at all That's wouldn't so cool. it also track in universe because because there's one universe where she's a famous actor right am i remembering that correctly that's right so it yeah. could both be and a calling that's another thing yeah. is like the footage of like it's one of the first alternate realities they introduce is her being a famous actress yeah. and then they use real footage of the actress at premieres oh my god i, for I forgot that in. they did that oh my god i totally it's forgot like, about that it's like in this alternate universe you're part of this movie called uh let's call it crazy rich Asians. <laughs> <laughs> here's you on the red carpet and it's footage of her at the red carpet <laughs> it's fucking perfect yeah, that it's like I guess I guess she's named Evelyn in all the universes, but I was like, there's almost the implication that like Michelle Yeoh is is a version of Evelyn. Um, but then again, I was like, ah, oh, well, her name was still Evelyn in that universe, so maybe I'm wrong. But um, just just yeah. such a cool little wink to the audience, and just such a cool little like, we're gonna break your immersion for three seconds. Okay, you're back immersed again. Just just to yep. fucking flex, because yep. they knew they could. Just to flex their pinkies. Yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is another yeah. thing. Um, I I spoke about the hot dog fingers earlier, but those pinky muscles are strong. Uh, af also, taut. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, I want. Do I have any other notes here? I don't think so. Uh, did you have anything else? I think I think we're pretty I'm, much I'm, done here. We talked yeah, about I'm this. Good to take it home at at length, and I. It was the same experience I had watching the movie, man. It was just like, I don't want this movie to end. Yes. And I also don't 
I didn't want this discussion to end. Yeah, I, I got so but sad. Sadly, it has to. I got to. so sad when they brought my check at the Alamo because it was almost over, and I was like, I'll, I'll never, I'll never see this for the first time again. You know, like I, I really bummed me out. I was like, man, forty minutes left, huh? That's all. That's all that's left. Which I can't remember ever feeling that way, even in movies that I really like. I'll typically be like, I mean, I've really got to pee though. Uh, (laughs) let's land this plane so i can go to the bathroom and get on with my life it's been fun um but like man i again i i found myself wishing that i could just stay in that place that they created for just a little bit longer and that's such a special feeling that i i don't know the last time i felt it in the movie i don't know if i've ever felt it i actually i can actively say i know that i haven't i would have to think about it for sure um denny we got some questions for you yeah buddy what is your favorite reason to go to the movies when it comes to everything everywhere all at once so mine is you need to go see this at alamo and i was i thought about how we have a rule that we try not to say brand names unless we're being paid um and yet this episode we sound like alamo shills um this this is the thing guys alamo we've done this before alamo doesn't sponsor us we simp them um when someone (laughs) sponsors you they pay you money when you simp them you pay them money um we we we're alamo simps and they don't know your name (laughs) (laughs) um but um dude so they have an interview with the two directors before and this is actually on youtube you can go watch it i've gone and watched it since i saw it in the movie um they have their pitch for a psa a classic alamo trademark don't talk don't text psa um and they just go on this like five to ten minute tangent of just like fucking awesomeness and hilarity um if if you're not gonna go see it in theaters uh, or if you don't have alamo accessible to you first of all my condolences um second of all watch it on youtube their pitch for a don't get your phone out of the movie PSA is hilarious, and that, that makes it just like an extra bonus to go to the theaters to see it. What about you, Greg? Damn. Perfect answer, man. Um, like I said, we got there a little bit late. It was kind of a small showing, but it was full. So we got to our seats. We just kind of rushed in there. Okay, here's what we want. Put up our order card. We got our food and everything. At the end of the movie, um, you know, everyone's had a great time the whole time. Everyone's bought into the movie just like us and uh, just perfect experience. And the movie ends, credits roll, and the people to our right say, that was fucking incredible. And I was like, man, this theater full of people my age love this movie. And then we start getting up. And the guy that said that was probably like 50. Hell yeah. (laughs) Definitely not my age. Hell yeah. And I was like, this is universally just enthralling people. And this guy who is a few years younger than my dad just said that was fucking incredible. And I was like, you're right, old man. (laughs) That's 25 years older than me you are right yep uh what was your favorite line i actually i think we picked the same one based on an illusion you made earlier but i want to hear yours uh my runner-up was joy 
towards the end of the movie saying, what are you doing? This is just another statistical anomaly. It's nothing special. Something yeah, like yeah. that. I can't remember what the exact line was, but the, the line that I did have to pull from IMDb, because again, I didn't take yeah. notes uh, while I was watching it. It's Wayman saying, so even though you have broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. And it's, that is, oh my god. Oh. It's a such a beautiful line and beautiful delivery. That's just plugs all the holes in the marriage relationship that we had seen just filled with holes and just leaking the whole movie. Greg, I'm, and, go ahead. <laughs> and, you know, you just, I'm in a pretty new marriage. I had been in a broken marriage before and just seeing things mended and like couples in relationships just understanding their connection and friendship and desire for what they want out of the relationship. I thought that was a just incredibly beautiful moment. Yeah, it's just I, I, I connected with it deeply. I thought it was perfectly said even though that wasn't like the main uh relational gap in the movie that gets mended i thought it was my favorite that did get mended um you said it all brother um that that's my pick and i am i'm tearing up greg i'm like legitimately like i don't mean i'm getting choked up i mean tears are welling up in my eyes just remembering that line in the movie remembering how i felt hearing you talk about how you felt um what a powerful beautiful line in this universe where it's like it's the the kind of initial takeaway from the universe is that their lives would be so much better if they hadn't gotten married and then he says mm -hmm. like man i just never got over the fact that i let you go you know like that that like i think i would have preferred a shittier life if that shittier life were with you i would i would take yeah. it god man Oh. And the two lines that I picked kind of played into mm -hmm. each other. It's just like, this is another statistical anomaly because we're playing off all these different universes as like, you know, these were all going to happen. There's infinite possibilities here. And even the women that we land on is still just like, if all these infinite possibilities existed for my life, the one I still want I would have liked to have this one with you. Yeah. Simplistic as it was, broken as it was, at least I had yeah. you. And it, it it conveys something I really think about a lot, and and something that is a, a core belief of mine is that like you you simply cannot know what the right choice is most of the time. You just can't. Um, you don't. You can try to calculate it. You can try to anticipate it, but like you don't know what's going to happen because of your choices and you'll, you'll never really for sure know if you're making the right call. And that's something that gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, cause I wanted, I want to, I have this whole like complex where I want to live life right into its fullest potential and to, to put myself on the most fulfilling and highest and brightest path I could put myself on. And, um, it honestly creates like an absolutely debilitating anxiety in me sometimes. Um, cause I just, it's hard for me to enjoy things because I wonder if I could be using my time better. Um, just, co just mm -hmm. constantly just this like pervasive sense that this is not the best use of, of the hours I have right now. 
either for my wellness or for my goals or even just for my own entertainment. I just can't stop analyzing my choices. And something I, I try to return to is um, try to make the choices that are truest to yourself. Um, because you, you'll never know the effects of any of these choices until you've made them. But you'll always be comforted by knowing that as much as you could figure out, this was the choice you wanted to make. Um, and that was just such a beautiful moment of like saying like, man, you know what I really regret? I wasn't true to my heart's desires. You know, like I didn't make choices that were true to myself. And because of that, I don't even fucking give a shit that I'm rich and wealthy and happy and all that stuff because... I think a more congruent choice for me would have been to do laundry and taxes with you for the rest of my life. That that would have been more mm -hmm. right for me. You know, like he sees himself essentially living a right living a life that is right for someone else, but not for him. And he's just he's dissatisfied mm -hmm. with it. I love it, man. I love it. And then yeah. Look, look at his laundromat version of himself, his life with Evelyn version of himself. That dude mm -hmm. seems so much more free, right? Like just so much more um, uh, weightless in how he interacts with the world versus like rich tuxedo version of Waymond uh, seems very, um, uh, he seems like he's carrying a weight, you know, like and he's just very contemplative and remorseful and, uh, um, uh, what's the word i'm looking for um melancholy you know like it's just it's what a beautiful simple message that conveys that conveys something that is maybe easy to articulate but very hard to like internalize yeah absolutely man we did, we did it, it. We what did is it. uh what's your critical score and we left the theater and we went to a restaurant downstairs and i gave it a 38 and then i started taking my notes and everything and i bumped this one up to a 39 nice this is a movie though that i'll have to see it again i want to let it sit see what the staying power is this could be another <gasps> your second ever it could be the second ever 40 out of 40, but for now it's a 39, and I am completely satisfied with yep. that score. It is a 39 out of 40 today. This is why we need to re-see it to reevaluate because um, I also considered essentially breaking my scale for this movie. Uh, I always said I'll, I'll give a 51 to a movie if it really convinces me that it's like better than any movie I've ever seen before in my life. And I sat there in the theater for a minute at the end of it, just being like, this is, I finally saw it. I saw the 51. And then when I like pulled up my critic rankings, Vanessa also encouraged me to calm down to, uh, to recalibrate for my, <laughs> for my, uh, recency bias. Well-documented. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, when I'm looking at my rankings, Am I going to say it's better than Pulp Fiction and Casablanca? Like, significantly better. And at the time, I was like, no. But now I'm like, maybe. 
<laughs> you know, like so. Um, I, I I think I need I think I need to give it another watch through as well. Um, but r- right now yeah. we're sitting at a fifty out of fifty from me. Yeah, only a perfect score. And <laughs> our our discussion here helped. I'm not gonna lie. I'll probably listen. I'll watch it again. I'll listen back to this episode and, and just I'll feel the way I feel. But I do, I do think like staying power and longevity of the feelings yep. do matter yeah. in giving something a perfect score I, that that's 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 my perception on how i rank things but yeah you know you giving this a 50 out of 50 is the least surprising thing <laughs> yeah ever if you didn't give it a 50 i would be like fucking why especially after our conversation yeah. here i would just be like really yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and for the record i am uh i i'm rooting for you to decide to give it a 40 only if you really want to but simply because right. uh i i want you to have um i want you to have the joy of truly finding something else that you love as much as no country for old men like i would be so psyched there for you, you no, knowing how much your only 40 means to you and knowing how much you love it man i would just be so psyched for a friend to find another thing they love that much like that that would be so cool i'm rooting for it to get that magic 40 from you i listen i'm (laughs) me too i'm on the movie side here i hope it gets there uh time will tell it's like it's like when you guys were here and then later that night we watched um the Shyamalan movie uh the sixth Sixth Sense, sense yeah for the first time yeah and i was like you know what i just had the general thought another 40 exists Mm. what if something else lands in that spot and then i watched the sixth sense and i was like that was fucking close (laughs) i gave it a a 39 like i'm i'm so excited to in at this point in my life be watching movies that i i would consider to be better than movie better than any movie i've absolutely. ever absolutely like i i i of course you know like you're saying no country for old men is my one perfect score that's a movie that came out 15 yeah. years ago and if a movie came out that came out like a month ago yeah. topped that like how incredible and encouraging is that for cinema as it stands we've had a good couple weeks of movies dude, dude. i was gonna say like <laughs> like i've been telling people uh, sonic 2 notwithstanding but i am gonna snub it from this list a little bit you have playing yeah. playing at the same time the northman everything everywhere all at once and the unbearable weight of massive talent when mm-hmm. i cannot remember a time in my life when there were three movies that good in theaters at the same time. I'm not saying it never happened. I'm yeah. just saying, like, it's so rare that I probably didn't register it if it happened. You know, like... It's it's, it's one of those moments, you know, that you're going to look back on two years from now and be like, holy shit, I watched all those, like, yeah. in, within the same month. And then, like, what else? Oh, shoot, what, what was the other one? Sonic 2. <laughs> right, Sonic Two. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'll, th- I'll think of it in here in a second, but yeah, incredible. Uh, the Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. The Batman. The Batman was another one I'm thinking. Maybe not like on the same tier, but like out of all the superheroes I've se- superhero movies I've seen in the last like ten years, like that is so far up there. And I got 
like one of my favorite superhero movies at the same time as like three of my favorite movies in general like how how cool is that dude it's a it's a cool time to be a movie person um I'll, i'll say that for sure i'm i'm just i remember like during during covid uh well we're still during covid during the shutdown um when i i missed alamo draft house so much that i just drove to the parking lot just to like look at it and i just saw plastered it was like comedic in this like abandoned alamo draft house plastered across its wall was like 20 in a row posters for tenant um <laughs> and um in my mind i was like god damn it tenant you were you were our last fucking hope and you went and killed cinema um really you killed the movie going experience and then to just like man like a year and a half after that happened to just have have going to the movies bounce back so much so cool man so damn cool (sighs) we love it and these were movies for win you're going to the movies. Greg, what's the best movie for when you're going to the movies? Buddy, only because you got to go to the movies and you got to go again, and you probably ought to actually go again. I'm going to go with everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, I mean, like, it could have been almost any category, and I think we'd have to give it to that because we've both, we have both affirmed that yeah. it is, uh, in our opinion one of if not the best movie ever made um <laughs> like it's it's uh i think it would win any episode by default because we think it is so much better than the vast than, than so many movies in all of history <laughs> absolutely this could have won any fucking yeah. episode what's the best movie for when only 90s kids <laughs> everything everywhere all at once there we go um so i'm i'm very excited about next week um oh i'm excited yeah greg what 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 is the special thing that's happening next week hmm well you see this episode is going to release on friday may the 6th and if you do a little bit of math there friday the 6th Hey, what's seven days after that? Buddy, that's Friday the 13th. Part two. Next episode is Friday the 13th, part two. One of our earlier episodes. One of our very first episodes on this podcast. We had a Friday the 13th just happen to come by and we were prepared. Mm -hmm. We watched parts one, four, and five. And Friday the 13th, it's around the corner again. We're like, man, that's so far out. And this podcast has come a long way since then. Holy shit. I'll I'll, I'll fucking (laughs) say Well, we've done a live show since then. Wow. Jesus, dude. Uh, I certainly did not think we would get to a live show before we got to our second Friday the 13th episode, when you put it that way. Absolutely. (laughs) I was just like, oh, we're just going to be mediocre forever. And then... (laughs) We're just uh, a a couple little overachievers is what we are, Greg. Oh, look at us. So, next week we're going to have Friday the 13th Part 2. Movies for when is Friday the 13th. Denny, 
what is your selection for next um, week? I am going to pick Friday the 13th Part 7, A New Blood. Um, it is the movie where they... <laughs> They wanted to do Freddy versus Jason, but they couldn't work out the IP issues with New Line. So then, for some reason, their pivot was to do Jason versus Carrie. And then they couldn't get the IP to that either, so they just made a girl with all the same powers as Carrie who isn't named Carrie. <laughs> this is the fucking thing that no one asked for. Dude, I've been uh, rewatching Thirty Rock on Netflix <laughs> for like the fiftieth time, and we're at the part of uh, Jenna doing the uh, Janis Joplin uh-huh. movie, but they couldn't get the rights. <laughs> like Janie Joplin, <laughs> <laughs> we loosely have some of the rights. Synonym is just another word for the word you want to use. Uh, so <laughs> Oh my god, that's that's like a Thirty Rock episode, but I get to watch the movie that actually that it got actually made. I'm, happened. I'm, I'm I'm very thrilled. Uh, my pick is actually what they wanted. My pick is actually Freddy versus oh, Jason. I decided to go away from the parts because I wanted to delve into the uh, the other movies in this series, or you know, series adjacent. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so my pick was Freddy versus Jason, and then our third pick is going to be the audience selection. Yep. We will have a poll. You guys will vote. You guys will pick what the third. I movie think I'm is. just going to let them vote for all the ones we haven't already covered or picked. Okay, so that perfect. would be the options are. Well, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, but like it's fun. Two, three, six, eight, nine, X, two thousand nine. And 2009. That's seven films. You're going to have a poll of seven yes, films? Yes, because I'm, I'm one with the people. Okay. We, lo- we do love we the do people. We do love the people. And guess what? <laughs> There's another Friday the 13th happening at some point. I don't oh, know we'll, we'll get through to all of them, and then we'll do Never Hike Alone. And then oh, LeBron right. James will have made his Friday the 13th by then, too, so we'll have more content. LeBron James. Uh, January of next year is the next Friday the 13th. Okay. So we'll do our <gasps> Granny's episode and then we'll do Friday the that's 13th. That's going to be... Uh, how, how about that's that? That's going to be uh, the day after my birthday and the day of my mom's birthday, January 13th. Oh. What, what, a, what a special week I'm going to have. <laughs> 2023 is going to be our year, I know. bud. Um, Timestamp this <laughs> so we can return to it. Um. Greg, let's make a let's make a a, a a prophecy about what we'll be doing on Friday the thirteenth, January twenty twenty three. Um, I am going to be working a hockey game, but then returning to my house that I bought <gasps> and kissing my dog and my wife when I get home. Oh, lips. Both dog first then wife i'm sure she appreciates that um <laughs> well <laughs> um i'm gonna predict that i will also be living in a house that i bought with two more tattoos and um heroin will be legal i don't i had to make a bold one <laughs> i wanted to make a bold <laughs> prediction those are all things i'm pretty sure are gonna happen oh man i should have made a bolder prediction 
Yeah, dude. Here's hoping we get all all that we wish for. God, I actually I don't know that I hope heroin becomes legal. I, I yeah, I, <laughs> well, I, I'd like to see it decriminalized so people don't get locked away in prison forever. But I don't know about uh, encouraged. <laughs> I don't I don't want you doing it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and by that point, um, one of the Biden clones will have gone rogue. <laughs> Come on, there's no way he's alive. They have clones of him that they wake up every day. Have his have his Yeah. I'm playing. Uh, all right, Denny. Um and the words of the great Don Denim. Fuck front row Joe. Give me my catchphrase. <sighs> For Greg work. The Everything Bagel Johnson. I'm Denny the Everywhere All at Once Taylor. Saying... I will avenge you, John Watson. I will save you, Anton. I will kill you, Front Row Joe. <laughs> but you know what I won't avenge? What's my cage again? <laughs> <laughs>